0: Welcome to Pick Six Movies, where each and every season, myself, Bo Ranstall, and my old pal, Chad Cooper, take a set of six movies all based around a common theme, and then we talk about We're going to tell you a little story about the movie to get you started, and then he and I are going to sit down and goof on the movie for a little bit, and in some cases, even use silly voices to punctuate our disdain. We have made it to Season 8 of this particular show. A season we are calling, not that one, this one. For our second episode of this season, we're going to go way back to the year of 2001 and talk about a director that used to be great, a guy named Tim Burton. You probably heard of him, he did uh, Batman and a bunch of other movies. But in 2001, he decided to remake Planet of the Apes. No, not that one, the, the one with Charlton Heston. This one. The one with Mark Wahlberg. Chad's going to tell you all about how this thing came to be. So kick back, relax, get ready for a little more monkey business. And I don't know, maybe pop a cold one, bro.
1: It's 2001's Planet of the Apes. French novelist Pierre Bolle was an engineer serving as a secret agent with the Free French in Singapore when he was captured and subject to two years of forced labor. His experiences there gave him firsthand exposure to the construction of the notorious Death Railway, during which 16,000 prisoners and 100,000 Asian conscripts died during construction of the line. Boll used these experiences to write the 1952 novel The Bridge Over the River Kwai, which became an international bestseller. Filmmaker David Lean adapted the book into a motion picture, and it would go on to win seven Academy Awards in 1957, including Best Picture and Best Actor for Alec Guinness. The book's author, Boll, well, he won an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay, despite the fact that he didn't write the screenplay. In fact, he didn't even speak English. Boll was credited with the screenplay because the film's actual screenwriters Carl Foreman, and Michael Wilson have been blacklisted as communist sympathizers. Bull was one of France's most notable gifted writers, and most of his work was rooted in reality, rarely veering into the world of fantasy or science fiction. But in 1962, he published a highly praised novel set in the year 2500, where a group of astronauts voyage to a planet in the star system of Betelgeuse, where they find a world where humans are reduced to savages, caged in zoos, used in laboratory experiments and hunted for sport. The novel's hero is captured, he struggles to survive, and there is a shattering climax as he returns to Earth and a horrific final discovery that is gripping and fantastic. Yet the novel was a wry parable on science, evolution, and the relationship between man and nature, primarily because the hero's captor in the story was not an alien from outer space. The name of the novel was La Planète des Signes, translated in English as Monkey Planet and later re-released as Planet of the Apes. The idea for the novel was inspired by a trip to the zoo where Bowl began to examine and imagine man's relationship with and relationship to apes. In his novel, it would be the apes that have evolved and men were simply their pets. Upon publication, Bull felt that the book wasn't actually science fiction at all, but was more a fictional examination of the constructs of modern society. Shortly after the book was published, movie producer Arthur Jacobs was looking to make a movie with similar simian DNA to the hit film King Kong. A French literary agent brought Planet of the Apes to Jacobs, and Jacobs snatched up the movie rights to the story. There was some initial apprehension to bringing this story to life because most people thought it was impossible or it would come off looking ridiculous because, well, it had talking monkeys. Arthur Jacobs was close buddies with Charlton Heston. And Jacobs went to Heston and pitched the movie and almost immediately Heston was on board and committed to the lead role, even though there wasn't even a script. Twilight Zone creator Rod Sterling worked for over a year to adapt Bull's novel into a screenplay, reportedly producing over 30 versions of the script of Planet of the Apes. While the movie slogged along in development, Jacobs went looking for a director. Originally Jacobs wanted Blake Edwards, the director of Breakfast at Tiffany's, and Edwards would later go on to direct the Dudley Moore Bo Derek sex comedy 10. Please see season 6 episode 2 for more on that movie what I wouldn't give to see a Blake Edwards-directed version of Planet of the Apes. A few more directors were considered, but the film stalled in development because, well, everybody approached to bring this book to life came to the same conclusion. A talking monkey movie is going to be an unparalleled disaster. Jacobs convinced Richard D. Zanuck, who was head of production over at 20th Century Fox, to give him five grand for a makeup test. They took nine pages of Rod Sterling's screenplay with Charlton Heston as the lead astronaut. And the man in the monkey suit was none other than Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments co-star, Edward G. Robinson, see? As the science minister, Dr. Zayas. see? And along with Mr. Barbara Streisand, Josh Brolin, and Linda Harrison, who would later go on to be cast as Nova in the final version of the film, well, they did a screen test. And the final results of this makeup test were impressive. They weren't perfect, but they were good enough to gain momentum to get this thing moving forward. The special effects makeup master, John Chambers, was brought in to solve some heavy problems. Like how are the masks going to allow the actors to express emotion? and How would the actors voices be recorded? Chambers was tasked with creating masks that could also be put on and taken off very quickly. Now, while the special effects team struggled with these and other issues, screenwriters were working to solve script problems. Rod Sterling stepped away as screenwriter, and Michael Wilson stepped in. Wilson had previously adapted the bridge on the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia, but both were uncredited because he was also blacklisted as a suspected communist. As Wilson continued to craft his adaptation, much of Bull's source material disappeared due to budgetary reasons. Gone were the technologically advanced primates living far in the future. Things were scaled down, and a creative decision was made to portray the primates as living in a more primitive world with horses and buggies and old school shotguns and pistols, with their culture grounded in the rural hillsides of the mountains. Now, the biggest change from the source material. Is that the plot of the movie takes place on a post-apocalyptic Earth 2,000 years in the future after nuclear war did its thing to end humanity as we know it. Now the big twist of the movie is revealed when lead spaceman Taylor finds what remains of the Statue of Liberty in the Forbidden Zone. This, the original Planet of the Apes, came out in February of 1968, and it was a huge hit with critics and audiences box office receipts quadrupled the $6 million budget put in to make the movie. It put 20th Century Fox back in the black after losing a fortune on the Elizabeth Taylor costume extravaganza epic Cleopatra. And Planet of the Apes won not one, but two Oscars, including a Special Achievement Oscar for John Chambers' movie makeup because, well, at the time, the movie makeup category was not recognized by the Academy. Planet of the Apes was a success because it was, well, first and foremost, a crazy space opera with talking monkeys and crash landing astronauts. But on top of all that, the movie was reflective of the political turmoil of the 1960s. It dealt with issues of social class, race, religion, government, all of this wrapped up in a palatable feature film. Two years after the movie's release, the sequel, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, was released in 1970. This was followed by Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. There were two television series, one of which was an animated cartoon, all by the year 1975. Now, you pack that much Planet of the Apes into the public zeitgeist against a background of the Nixon presidency, and you know what? Enough is enough. The public pushed back from the table and said, Hey, we're full up here on Planet of the Apes. And so it was that the Planet of the Apes franchise, Evolution, was put on hold for at least two decades. But not because movie makers didn't try hard to get a Planet of the Apes movie back into theaters. In 1988... Adam Rifkin was a 21-year-old, bright-eyed, optimistic filmmaker who cranked out a low-budget movie called Never on Tuesday that featured Nicolas Cage and Emilio Estevez and his brother, Tiger Blood enthusiast Charlie Sheen. Rifkin's debut film impressed the president of 20th Century Fox so much that he asked Adam Rifkin to pitch anything he wanted to make, and Rifkin said, I want to bring back Planet of the Apes. Rifkin felt like he could take a small budget and produce a really big movie kind of like James Cameron did with that Alien sequel. And so Rifkin went to studio executives and he made a pitch for the movie's trailer. Not the actual movie, just the trailer. And somehow, based on the pitch of a trailer, he got the go-ahead to write a sequel to the original Planet of the Apes, the one that ends on the beach with the Statue of Liberty. This sequel would essentially be Spartacus, but with Apes, taking place 300 years after the first movie's conclusion. It would have a Roman-era theme, and basically it would be Russell Crowe's movie Gladiator, but with apes and orangutans and chimpanzees. Note to self, watch Russell Crowe's Gladiator through Snapchat Monkey Face Filter. 20th Century Fox was bananas about this movie. Famed makeup special effects master Rick Baker was going to do all of the monkey mask. Bridget Fonda's husband and Oingo Boingo frontman Danny Elfman was going to score the film. There were talks of having Tom Cruise star in the movie. Rick Baker, Danny Elfman, Tom Cruise. For the young 21-year-old Adam Rifkin, this all seemed too good to be true because it was. The studio president at 20th Century Fox that was all behind Rifkin bringing Planet of the Apes back to the big screen. Well, he got replaced and then Rifkin's version of a Roman themed Planet of the Apes took two steps back from pre-production and found itself simply in development. The new 20th Century Fox Studio Brass didn't care for the script that Rifkin produced because it had a downer of an ending. The studio wanted people leaving with a smile on their face. So there were rewrites on the script and over time the project just kind of died and faded away. But don't feel too bad for young Adam Rifkin. He went on to write the sentient talking action figure movie Small Soldiers and the farcical man versus rodent comedy Mouse Hunt. And so it was that Planet of the Apes went silent. Until Oliver Stone showed up? Don Murphy, who produced Stone's ultra-violent, natural-born killers, really wanted to jumpstart Planet of the Apes, but he needed a director. So he thought, say, what about Oliver Stone? So Murphy asked Stone to direct the movie, and Oliver Stone said, huh, sure, whatever. Reportedly, a meeting was held with studio executives including Peter Rice, who was 100% Team Planet of the Apes, and there was Oliver Stone and producer Don Murphy. And at this meeting, Oliver Stone starts things off by saying, hey, I just recently watched the original movies and I thought they were awful. Then Stone went on to propose the idea of making a movie where the apes are discovered cryogenically frozen and they have secret numeric codes that unlock the mysteries of the Bible which will predict the end of the world. Evolution, apes, the Bible, Oliver Stone, you certainly have my attention. Somehow word leaked that Oliver Stone, yeah, that Oliver Stone, was gonna direct a Planet of the Apes movie, but the powers that be quickly put those rumors to rest and said he's just gonna executive produce the movie. They brought in Terry Hayes, who penned two Mad Max sequels and the Nicole Kidman Sam Neill sinking ship thriller, Dead Calm. Now this new interpretation would be titled Return of the Apes and would start off in present day with a plague that causes all babies to be born dead. It turns out that the dead baby plague is a DNA time bomb that was implanted over 100,000 years ago. Using genetic time travel, they go back in time when the Paleolithic humans were doing battle with evolved apes. Then things get really weird and it ends up with a statue of liberty nod to the original movie don't worry too much about it the chairman of 20th century fox studios at the time said that the movie was quote one of the best scripts i've ever read but another lower level executive said it could do some work this lower level executive recommended that the time-traveling scientist who finds himself in Ape Land, well, he suggested, hey, what if the apes are, like, you know, playing baseball, but they don't know that they need something to make the game work, like the pitcher or something, see? And our outer space scientist, he comes along and he's like, look, you guys are missing the pitcher in baseball. And the apes are all like, hey, now we understand how baseball works. And then all of the apes start playing baseball. Seriously, I would love to see this movie. About this time. Two big Hollywood heavyweights got involved. Number one, Philip Noyce, who had produced the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan thrillers, Clear and Present Danger, and Patriot Games. The second Hollywood heavyweight to get involved was none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's right. It was Arnold that was going to play this time-traveling scientist, essentially reprising the Charlton Heston role from the original film. Think about that. Oliver Stone presents Arnold Schwarzenegger and Planet of the Apes where monkeys play baseball. Doesn't it all just sound so wonderful? A draft of the screenplay was delivered, but without the monkeys playing baseball. Oh man. And the executive who wanted to see those monkeys playing baseball in this movie, well, he was unhappy because it was his idea and it got left out. So he fired the screenwriter. And then super producer Philip Noyce moved on shortly thereafter. And then Oliver Stone grabbed his keys and he left the party. But guess who showed up to keep this party going? Chris Columbus. You know, the director of Home Alone, Season 4, Episode 5, and Pixels, Season 7, Episode 5. And about this time, there were reports of test screenings with the apes on snow skis. Oh my god this is the thing of my dreams now at this time chris columbus was fresh off not getting a fantastic four movie off the ground excuse me note to self do an episode on the fantastic four later this season so chris columbus and crew brought in sam ham who wrote the screenplay for the michael keaton jack nicholson superhero extravaganza batman and its sequel batman returns both of which were directed by tim burton can you see how this is all coming together Sam Ham, what a great name. Sam Ham came in and he wrote a more family friendly version of Planet of the Apes. He wanted to tip his hat to the original movie and incorporate elements from Bowles' original novel. Now, although Sam Ham, Sam Ham, it's just, it's fun to say that name, Sam Ham. Sam Ham's script did keep the dead baby plague from the previous version of the script. But this time, the plague would be brought to Earth by an ape astronaut. And in this case, the babies would show up all Benjamin Buttoned as old people when they were born. But instead of aging backwards, these babies would just die. So scientists working at, where else, Area 51, they travel in the ape spaceship to the ape's home planet to find a cure. And the planet is filled with monkeys in three-piece suits with high-powered monkey guns and they're flying monkey helicopters. The scientists find a cure and they return to Earth 70 years later. And it turns out that apes have taken over Earth and the Statue of Liberty is now crudely chiseled into the face of a giant grinning ape. Oh my god, this sounds incredible. How has this movie never been made? Now at this time, Schwarzenegger was still attached to Star, but the studio wasn't cool with the script. One assumes it was because of all of those dead babies and those three-piece suit-wearing monkeys. Then Chris Columbus left the project, and James Cameron's name was tossed around to direct because of his relationship with Arnold in Terminator and T2 and True Lies. And you knew who else was invited to join this production? Stan Winston. Dear God, there is another parallel universe where James Cameron made this movie, and I will never get to see it. Back in our universe, James Cameron released a little movie called Titanic, and then he was out. Michael Bay, Roland Emmerich, and Peter Jackson, they all passed on the director's chair. So the Planet of the Apes film franchise found itself where it had been for about two decades, stuck going nowhere. At the turn of the millennia, the film Independence Day sparked a new interest in big budget sci-fi motion pictures and 20th Century Fox was unleashing Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace on the world at large. And it was here that producer, director, and twin brothers Allen and Albert Hughes took an interest in the Planet of the Apes movie. The Hughes twins delivered two hit movies in Menace to Society and Dead Presidents. Their interest in the movie really honed in on the racial subtext within American culture, but then they got a green light on their Jack the Ripper horror film starring Johnny Depp, so they were off to go make that movie happen. 20th Century Fox reached out to William Boyles, the screenwriter of Castaway, to see if he'd like to take a whack at Planet of the Apes, and Boyle said no. Then the studio brass said, you know what? You can do whatever you want with the project. Baseball monkeys and helicopters. Baseball monkeys and helicopters. Baseball monkeys and helicopters. Boyle sent 20th Century Fox executives an outline of the movie that would be the first of three movies, a trilogy, if you will. And it was not set on Earth. It would take place on a planet inhabited by apes, a planet of the apes, if you will. An astronaut crash lands on Monkey Planet. And there is a monkey general named Fade that wants to kill all humans. Fun fact Fade is an anagram for death. Another fun fact Planet of the Apes is an anagram for hose flatten a pep. Broyles' version of the script grabbed the attention of the original Planet of the Apes producer Richard D. Zanuck and director Tim Burton, who was fresh off of the headless horseman caper Sleepy Hollow. Originally, Burton said he wasn't interested in doing a remake of the sequel, but this version was an original take on the franchise, and that really piqued his interest. New characters, new story, new vision, and producers felt that the combination of Tim Burton and Planet of the Apes was movie gold if you ever saw it. Burton had been working on a Superman film, which never took flight, and this sounded like the right next project for the creative cinematic filmmaker. Burton and Boyles reworked the script, then budget concerns reared their ugly head, as the original version had an estimated price tag of $300 million dollars, yikes! The script was pared down to a more reasonable level, and finally, a Planet of the Apes movie was put into production. Mark Wahlberg was cast to play the crash landing spaceman. Wahlberg had proved his acting chops in Boogie Nights, Three Kings, and The Perfect Storm, He was a rising star and was a perfect fit to fill the moon boots of the lead astronauts. And it was a who's who of independent film actors and actresses that rounded out the cast, including Honey Bunny's boyfriend Tim Roth, Paul Pig Vomit Giamatti, Tim Burton's soon-to-be ex-girlfriend Lisa Marie, and the soon-to-be future Mrs. Tim Burton, Helena Bottom Carter. Even original Planet of the Apes astronaut Charlton Heston shows up as the father of human-hating General Thade. Now, mountain of a man Michael Clark Duncan was cast in the film, fresh off of his best supporting actor Oscar nominated performance in The Green Mile. I also highly recommend that you seek out a YouTube clip of comedian Steve Harvey telling the story of Michael Clark Duncan appearing on Steve Harvey's radio show where the two men, both of whom are black, discussing Michael Clark Duncan's decision to play an ape in this movie. It does not disappoint. It is Steve Harvey at his comedic best. Once the movie actually got into production, Planet of the Apes was a tough slog for both Tim Burton and team. Filming began on November 6, 2000 and it ended in April 2001 because the movie was scheduled to come out in little over three months in July of that same year. The studio considered using computer-generated special effects to create The Apes, but Tim Burton insisted on prosthetic makeup. Rick Baker, who, as previously noted, was at one time attached to work on an earlier version of the film, well, he came in to work on the Tim Burton adaptation as Baker had worked with Tim Burton on Ed Wood, with Baker serving as the creative force behind transforming Martin Landau into horror screen legend Bela Lugosi. Rick Baker said that his work on the Dino De La Rente's version of King Kong had always disappointed him, and this movie would be his chance to make up for that. Reportedly, the makeup on the apes took over four hours to apply and another hour to remove. Tim Burton described it as like going to the dentist at two in the morning and having people poke at you for hours and then wearing an ape costume until nine o'clock at night. Burton insisted that in his movie, the apes would fly through trees and climb walls and swing out of windows and generally go, if you will, ape shit when they got all angry. Now, prior to filming, for over a month, the actors and actresses who were going to portray apes, went to Ape School to learn how to behave like an ape. Note to self, submit application to Ape School. Danny Elfman, who, as noted earlier, had been attached to this project once upon a time, well, he came in and he scored the movie. Burton and Elfman had worked on previous projects, including Pee-wee's Big Adventure and the Batman films, just to name a few. Now, to complicate matters during the shooting of the movie, Tim Roth, the guy playing General Fade, the monkey that hates humans, well, it turns out that Tim Roth hated one human in particular. That person was Charlton Heston, the guy playing Tim Roth's dad in the film. Why did Tim Roth hate Charlton Heston? Well because Heston was the five term president of the National Rifle Association. Roth later claimed he would not have appeared in the film had he known he was going to be starring with Charlton Heston, ain't that interesting. As the movie neared its release date, marketing began in full force. There were toy tie-ins, there was some internet geocaching campaign for bored weirdos who wanted to go find hidden trinkets here and there. There was a comic book adaptation of the movie that was published by Dark Horse Comics. I mean... Everybody did what they could do to make the movie a success, because that's what you do when you make a big movie like this. Planet of the Apes was released on July 27, 2001 in over 3,500 theaters across North America, and the movie earned $68 million in its opening weekend and it went on to make $180 million stateside and $362 million worldwide, thus making it the 10th highest grossing film in North America and the 9th highest grossing movie worldwide in 2001. Now, the movie got mixed reviews, with much of the criticism coming from the movie's ambiguous ending, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But by most standards, the movie was a success, at least financially, so a sequel was inevitable, right? Wrong. Tim Burton said he would rather jump out of a window than make a sequel. But Mark Wahlberg, Helena Bottom Carter, and Paul Giamatti, they all expressed an interest in returning. Paul Giamatti said, I think it'd be great to have apes driving cars and smoking cigars and wearing glasses and sitting in the boardroom and stuff like that. You know what? From your mouth to God's ear, Paul Giamatti. I want to stop and give special thanks to David Hughes, who wrote the amazing book Tales from Development Hell, The Greatest Movies Never Made from which I heavily relied on to give you, dear listener, this introduction. If you enjoyed it, please go buy David Hughes' book where you can learn more about all kinds of movies that got caught up in development hell, including Tim Burton's Batman, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, the Tomb Raider film, which we featured in season seven, episode one on Pick Six Movies. There's a great chapter about James Cameron, among others, trying to remake the Fantastic Voyage. It's a great book. Plus, you can get even more details about the production of this movie, You know, Planet of the Apes. No, not that one. Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. You know what, let's stop wasting time and let's get Bowen here and discuss this movie. I mean, seriously, how can a film that proved to be such a financial success not have a sequel? And is it wrong if you get a little tingle when you see Mark Wahlberg kiss a monkey version of Helena Bottom Carter? And are the rules of monkey baseball the same as human baseball? You know what, let's wait no more. Ladies and gentlemen, enslaved humans and damn dirty apes, I give you 2001's sci-fi masterpiece of cinema, Planet of the Apes. And welcome to Pick 6 Movies. I'm Chad Cooper, along with my simian primate hair-covered co-host, Bo Ranstel. Bo, how are you doing this evening?
0: Oh, uh, less hair covered every day, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, I can't remember who said it. It's migrating. It goes from forehead to back.
1: but we're going to talk about a very hairy movie we are talking about 2001's planet of the apes as the introduction uh detailed
0: yeah i planet the apes is one of those movies i probably haven't seen the original in oh 10 years or so Mm -hmm. but uh i like the fact that that movie has a lot a lot of lobotomies in it Mm -hmm. that that makes me pretty happy i can't remember who did the score for it but i think the music in the original planet of the apes is, is pretty terrific
1: charlton heston looks fantastic i'm like i wish i could look that good as an old man he's walking around on a loincloth showing off a six-pack a pair of pecs that'll put out your eyes if you blink twice he's just he's this bronze god he's just machismo come to life i think i might be in love with him
0: i there's nothing wrong with that i've got a little bit of a crush on roddy mcdowell as an ape Uh, by the way, Jerry Goldsmith confirmed Jerry Goldsmith did the original Planet of the Apes music. So
1: this movie starts off, and we briefly see a red planet, and it's obfuscated by this red monkey battle helmet. And then, look—if you had never seen this movie before, if someone just turned it on and you see the opening credits to this film, you are introduced to this unbelievable bizarre of actors and actresses that are going to be in this film. As it starts off, you get Mark Wahlberg. You're like, well, okay, that makes sense. And then Tim Roth, and you're like, hey, I didn't know he was in this. Did you know, Tim Roth is in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, 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 he's in this. Helen a Bottom Carter, you're like, well, that makes sense. Tim Burton film. I'm sure, Johnny sure. Depp's going to make an uncredited cameo at some point as a monkey. Michael Clark Duncan, Ugh, this is going to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And then you get Country Music Hall of Fame inductee Chris Christopherson. You're like, what the fuck?
0: I I see Chris Christopherson's name and I get excited. Like I flash back to Blade,
1: Lone Star.
0: Uh sure. I mean, yeah, if you want to go fancy John Sales, I'll take my Gilmo Del Toro Blade 2 any day of the week. I unironically really enjoy Chris Christopherson. Uh, I think Sunday morning coming down is uh, a fantastic song as well
1: bo if i told you hey did you hear chris christopherson's gonna be in the new planet of the apes movie you're thinking oh that makes sense you know who else is gonna be in there conway twitty (laughs) and waylon jennings
0: i would be excited about it except every time i see his name in the credits because i've seen this movie a couple of times now and it reminds me oh yeah, he's in this movie about 10 minutes more than I am, Mm -hmm. and then goes away. And that's not what I want from Chris Christopherson in a Planet of the Apes movie. I need him to be the hero.
1: Hey, we're not done there. David Warner. And you're like, didn't we just see him commanding the Tiger Claw and Wing Commander? We did. What is going on in this film?
0: Yeah. And also the fact that it begins with a Tim Burton film when once upon a time, That was cause for celebration. I mean, those days are long since past, but at one time, Chad...
1: That mattered.
0: Yeah, you saw that, like, after Batman 89, it was like, yeah, I'll go see anything uh, Tim Burton does from now on. And then he does Batman Returns, and you're like, you know what, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see what he's got in the chamber.
1: I walked out of the theater of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I looked at my wife, and I said to her, I will never pay another dime to see a Tim Burton movie in the theater. And I haven't to this day. I'm not a Tim Burton fan. I think he's visually very imaginative. I don't think he can tell a story for shit. I think there are three movies that I regularly enjoy from his catalog of films. I think Pee-wee's Big Adventure is unbelievably great. I think Ed Wood is a masterpiece. And I think that Big Fish is really good because it's a film where you're telling a story that doesn't make sense. Everything else I see with him, I'm just, I don't care for it.
0: I like Beetlejuice a lot. That's more Michael Keaton than Tim Burton. But I I do, (laughs) I I really enjoy Beetlejuice. But that's kind of it. To your point, yes, the cast is interesting and it sounds like you just tell me that Tim Roth and Helena Bonham Carter are in a movie along with Paul Giamatti and I, I want to see that movie.
1: Unless you hear that it's Planet of the Apes, and then you're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. If I told you that that movie is a cross-country road trip because one of the three of them has cancer, then you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that all makes sense. No, but in this movie, they're all dressed up like monkeys. You know what? I want to see that second movie more than the first one.
0: If I never see another movie about a main character that has cancer again, I'm fine with
1: that. Our opening credits go on and on and on, and we see all this battle armor that's adorned with these bronzed demon- monkey statues and they're fighting over this giant red bulb of fire which by the way More on that large red bulb of fire later. And then we get a close-up of these ape eyes, and then they pop open, and you're like, hell yeah, man, let's get this movie going. We cut to a chimpanzee, and he's flying in this adorable chimpanzee-sized space monkey outfit. And the the chimp is just like, beep pop boop tapping buttons, and he's spinning dials, and he's piloting a space capsule high above planet, I'm guessing, Earth?
0: Let me just say here, Chad, uh, in the credits, they detail, as you did in the introduction, which was great that rick baker did the makeup effects for this and right off the bat you see this chimpanzee chad i don't know how they did it it is impressive it looks exactly like a real chimpanzee
1: because it's a chimpanzee
0: agree to disagree but i was bowled over
1: It's a fucking monkey, Bo. They put a monkey in a little space outfit. They let him shit his pants and jerk off twice. They strapped him into the outfit and said, you know what? Roll cameras.
0: Yeah, from the podcast that brought you Monkey President, (laughs) it's Monkey Astronaut. (laughs) And again, I'm on board. Like, I'm a simple man, Chad, if you get right down to it. If you tell me that a movie features a monkey in an astronaut outfit, I am immediately intrigued. I'm at least going to watch it.
1: What about Project X with Matthew Brown?
0: i've seen it like 12 times and i cry every time the monkey dies yeah that monkey does die he does yeah they give that monkey cancer
1: (laughs) you know what that's a real lose lose for you it's a monkey movie with cancer
0: i have asterisks to certain rules one of them is i don't need to see a cancer movie unless the cancer patient is a monkey Right. I want to see my life, but all done monkey style. (laughs) Just a monkey on a roller coaster at the end, raising his hands up. A couple of teeth missing like older chimps have. You know, Nicole Chipman as the wife. (laughs) Monkey Keaton would be the star. I'm, I, I got it all planned
1: out, Chad. I'm so glad you do, because no one else, <laughs> and I literally mean no one else does. Yeah, well, you know. Back in our shitty movie, things go screwy because our astronaut chimpanzee, he's at the controls and alarms start going off. And then Mark Wahlberg, he steps in between the monkey capsule and the background of possibly Earth. And we realize that we are in a simulator. And then Mark Wahlberg, he hits a button and the simulation ends. And then Mark Wahlberg says, like, y'all, bro, you got to change out these monkey sequences. Seriously? This isn't a fucking monkey game. You gotta punch these buttons with your monkey fingers in the right monkey order. It's like we practiced when we were playing Simon with the sounds and the colors. But look, look, monkey. If you hit the wrong button, you're gonna end up dead. Come on, get your monkey head out of your monkey ass. You gotta get this right.
0: I'm in charge of this whole program, bro. You're making me look like a real asshole in front of everybody. (laughs) All right, monkey? Yeah. You know what this reminded me
1: of? (laughs) Please tell me.
0: (laughs) Once long ago, we were at Epcot. But we're in... it, It was not really a ride. It's one of those kind of... You, you sit down in a thing and it simulates a mission to Mars or some shit.
1: It's called mission space.
0: You sit down and it was four people across. Mm-hmm. It's me and you, and there's an older woman
1: and her adult
0: daughter. But she was clearly developmentally disabled.
1: The daughter was mentally disabled.
0: Right. So we sit uh with them. It's you know, we're paired up with them.
1: During the pre-show, Gary Sinise, who is the actor. That is part of the kind of the video pre-show. He comes out and explains to all four people what their respective jobs are during this mission into space. And everyone has a role. There's like the engineer. There's the navigator. There is the 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 pilot or whatever. If you'll allow me to hijack your story, please.
0: No, no, no. Go right
1: ahead. Your role is like like you're the navigator. You're in charge of making sure we all know how to get there. And they're like, you're the you know the engineer. You got to make sure that you know you the engines don't blow up or whatever. And then they get to the the mom and she's they're like, you're you're the you know you're the captain. You got to make sure everybody does their job. And then they get to the fourth spot, which is this adult uh, young woman who is mentally disabled to some capacity. And they're like, you're the pilot. Like you have the most important job of them all. And it's like, you have to make sure that we fly there safely and you are the one who is going to make sure that everyone arrives alive. And the mother of this woman looks at her daughter and says, well, we're fucked, aren't we? And the daughter says, yeah, we're fucked. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that was one of the funniest things I've ever personally been privy to,
1: and you and I couldn't laugh at it.
0: Oh no, because we didn't want to look like we were being assholes about it. But they were laughing. It's it's great. It's one of, one of those moments of like human truth that comes along every so often. I loved it. But uh, yeah, so it turns out that Marky Mark and his monkey pals are on the the Oberon space station. Mm-hmm. Marky Mark takes his monkey pal, whose name is Pericles. Mm-hmm
1: is that supposed to class up this movie because look for those who don't know myself included Pericles was an ancient Greek statesman who was a famous general from a wealthy family and an aristocrat I didn't know that till I googled it I was like I don't know who the fuck this is but clearly that name means something but in this movie it don't mean shit
0: yeah it it doesn't mean anything it, right, it sounds a little fancy and that's about as smart as this movie is, is geez I think this sounds kind of smart Tim <laughs> it turns out that Pericles is this genetically enhanced gene splice super champ it should
1: also be noted that we're on the USAF Oberon Space Research Station in the year 2029. So we're kind of in the not-too-distant future when this movie takes place based on the year that it hit the big screen. We're about 30 years in the future. Also, why are they allowing monkeys to be involved in anything other than riding unicycles and putting lipstick on, as we saw in Showgirls, season six, episode six of Big Six Movies? Because the space program was initially set up with monkeys involved to make sure that humans weren't going to explode when they hit space. Because you know that during the space program they were just like look we don't know what's gonna happen when a person gets up there look send up a monkey because if his head blows up or his cock pops off he'll come back with i don't know space monkey madness or the monkey shakes look at least it ain't gonna be one of us all right it, it makes no
0: sense because why wouldn't you just have like drones or something instead of just they just have a whole like room full of monkeys at their disposal where they're just like i don't know bro we're just gonna shoot one at the sun and see what happens
1: <laughs> at this point we get what i consider to be be the greatest shot of this entire movie. It's Mark Wahlberg walking down this corridor and he's holding the hand of this chimpanzee and they're both wearing these white futuristic space costumes. And Mark Wahlberg looks like he is taking this chimpanzee to the first day of monkey kindergarten.
0: <laughs> I packed your lunch for you. I left you a little a little note in there, bro. I'll tell you what, you're going to make all kinds of friends at monkey school today.
1: You know what I'm going to go ahead and tell you? The note says, don't go bananas. (laughs) Mark (laughs) Wahlberg takes Pericles the monkey (laughs) into this research facility. And when he walks in, it looks like the TV studio at Willy Wonka's factory. I mean, everything is stark white, but instead of Oompa Loompas everywhere, it's a real Whitman sampler of primates in every cage and on every table everywhere. There are chimpanzees, there are orangutans, there are apes, there's gorillas, there's insert other primates that I'm not smart enough to come up right now off the cuff.
0: Yeah, and instead of Mike TV, you've got a lady for Marky Mark to berate a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, her name's Joan Goodall.
0: <laughs> Is it really? It's
1: not what it should be.
0: <laughs> he's giving her shit because he does this trick, not trick. It's just a cruel taunt with the mm. uh, the monkey where he's like, "Yo bro, I think I got a I got a snack for you in one of my hands, pick the right hand." <laughs> and the monkey picks one hand, he's like, "Nope, try again." <laughs> and he opens up his other hand there's nothing right and the woman is like Joan. Joan chimple is like hey man don't tease the monkeys first of all it's an asshole thing to do second of all you're all you're doing is getting the chimp worked up you're just teaching him to beware the hand of man <laughs> And he's like, oh, really? When was the last time you had a date, huh? And you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't know what the relationship <laughs> is between these two characters, but they are the prime candidates for a knife fight at the <laughs> like Oberon Fight Club.
1: Yeah, there's a little more back and forth between these two. And you're like, are they going to be romantically involved? But you're like, you know what? It don't matter. Let's just move on. Then Mark Wahlberg gets a video message from his friends back on Earth. And all of his friends look to be having like this drunken pool party. And we get a lot of unnecessary exposition. Like Like Mark Wahlberg has been in space for two years and Mark Wahlberg really wants to be a pilot, but they only let monkeys fly the spaceships. And there's another couple that's engaged, but none of this matters at all.
0: Yeah, there's something about him, like, settling down that doesn't mean anything. Somebody got engaged and it's like, I don't know who these people are. I don't even know their relationship to Marky
1: Mark. No! It doesn't matter for shit!
0: Again, this movie is so poorly written. And this is one of the first shots across the bow to let you know, like, hey, don't pay too much attention to anything, because don't none of it matters.
1: Then the power on the space station goes out. That seems kind of serious, right? You know it's not like s- where someone on the ship was like, "Hey, hey, did somebody start the microwave and the dishwasher at the same time? You can't run them both simultaneously. They're on the same circuit breaker. Give it a flip. One of the other people, one or the other. You can't wash dishes and you can't heat up your popcorn. Pick which one you want and 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 choose accordingly, all right give it a flip flip it back and you're good to go
0: it's washer or the dryer not both
1: the crew on the space station is just like hmm that's curious isn't it all of the power everywhere completely went out how
0: odd how very queer (laughs) that the life-giving power of this space station were to suddenly fail i'm glad we're all trained not to panic in this scenario
1: (laughs) mark Wahlberg goes to the bridge and this you know whatever space station and off in the distance there's some kind of a space storm going on and i was like, did that cause the outage? Maybe, maybe not. Who cares? And then one guy says, and this is kind of weird. He's like, I'm getting every electronic communication from earth from all time, all at once. And then we see images of like Hitler and then there's a cooking show and we see Bill Clinton and then the Pope and then the raising of the flag at Iwo Jima. But you know what's not in this? There's no pornography. If this is 2029 and we're looking at all electronic communications of all time, there is absolutely going to be pornography and Transmitted. In fact, the odds are so stacked, not only that you're gonna see pornography, I think there's there's like a 99% chance that all of the video transmissions are just gonna be sweaty people smacking against one another.
0: Yeah, you'll be lucky to get a glimpse of Hitler amongst the golden showers. <laughs> Yo, bro, I, I think I just saw Mother Teresa in there, but it could have just been a porn star dress like her. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and then the captain, I guess, of this ship, he says, Mark Wahlberg, get your monkey ready we have standard operating procedures that involve when a space storm shows up we fire a monkey in a capsule to handle the situation
0: <laughs> yeah, just shoot a monkey at it that's my motto too you know like More. my air conditioner went out Fucking get a monkey in there let's see what he can do with it give him a wrench and a little little set of overalls you know that he can wear
1: that's adorable i'd love to see that
0: but yeah and and mark walberg is like Hey, I'm just like a monkey, Commander. How about you let me go? Yeah,
1: seriously, bro? The monkey's like my best friend. I tell him all my secrets. He holds my hand when I walk around this big, scary ship. You know how often the power goes out around here? Bro, it's dark. It's scary. This monkey's the closest thing I got to a brother, except for my actual brother, who's back on Earth dancing around with a boy band.
0: The last time the power went out, he plugged in my nightlight for me. Pericles is my bro. I'm right or die for this monkey.
1: The captain says, first we send a monkey, then we send a man. Then there's some nonsense about how Mark Wahlberg wants to go fly a spaceship, but that doesn't really come of anything. You're just like, whatever, just dismiss it.
0: It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, the fact that he's like, yo, bro, I really want to be a pilot. It not, it never Matters in this movie.
1: Mark Wahlberg puts Pericles in his monkey spacesuit and then puts him in his monkey pod, and then the monkey gives Mark Wahlberg this thumbs up, and he just smiles ear to ear, and it is awesome. It's like seeing a young Jake Lloyd wrapped up in a furry slanket
0: All I can think of when I see this is how much I want to drive an eighteen wheeler across country with my chimpanzee buddy, <laughs> and maybe a couple of sexy ladies get into crazy adventures with me every now and again but then i realized that's just the plot of the tv show bj and the band
1: at this point they fire the monkey pericles into space where the space crew is reliant on a monkey to press buttons in a specific sequence none of this is necessary you do not rely on a monkey to press buttons in a particular sequence it is a monkey
0: to this point the next thing that happens is they're like you're never gonna believe this but the monkey's going off course
1: what bro you gotta be kidding me i taught him how to do all of this we sat down with simon with the colors and the sounds
0: and immediately they're like well let's try the override so we can pilot the pod back it's like why have the monkey there at all if you're if you've got a remote control pod you don't need the monkey
1: but once the pod's gone they're like well all right that's that another one bites the dust hey judy run down to the monkey bin and grab another monkey But then the captain's like, hey, man, I'm uh, I'm not going to waste another pod on uh, another monkey. And so Mark Wahlberg, he's really incensed by this comment. And he's just like, bro, seriously, that monkey Pericles, he was like my best friend in the whole world. He and I had plans to open up this corner bar when we get back to Earth and we were going to call it Harry Bangers, because, you know, the monkey's Harry and I'm the middle part. And this place is going to be totally banging. We're going to be set for life. We're going to be like the BJ and the bear of TGI Fridays. It's going to be sick, bro." It's going to be me and a monkey running a bar. What the fuck? He's not going to send out somebody to go save that fucking monkey. Fuck this. I'm going to go do it.
0: Look, bro, that monkey taught me how to play poker. I'm not going to leave him out
1: there. It's not just that. He taught me how to tie my shoes. He taught me how to dream, you know? He taught me how to jerk off where you invert your hand, you put it in cold water, you make it feel like somebody new. That monkey knows what's going on, man. He's amazing i'm saving pericles
0: yeah and so he gets into this stupid pod wink wink i'm gonna run the sequences and see what went wrong (laughs) i've got a question for you (laughs) please
1: i don't have an answer he puts
0: on a helmet
1: it's the monkey helmet
0: (laughs) that's not my question oh But he puts this helmet on over his suit, but the helmet isn't attached to nothing. Right. What good is that helmet?
1: There's so much in this movie that don't make any damn sense.
0: It's not even a required part of the uniform. He's just like, yo, bro, look, I brought my helmet. And they're like, you don't need that. I know, but look how cool it is. (laughs) Look, I can flip the front of it up and then down, bro. Up and then down. All right, just whatever it takes to get me out of this conversation. You can have your helmet. Thanks, bro. Up. (laughs)
1: And then down. Mark Wahlberg blast off into space in his pod to go save his monkey buddy. And at this point, I was thinking, is this the manifestation of Donald Trump's Space Force?
0: (laughs) Again, if you told me that Space Force was all chimpanzees, eh, you might have a vote in 2020.
1: Mark Wahlberg blast off into space and he says, you know, bro, never send a monkey to do a man's job. And I was like, you know what? There's a first time for everything to be said out loud once. And I just heard a sentence that never existed in the history of ever, ever. Her.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. I'm trying to think of any scenario <laughs> where somebody would be like, you know what, bro, this is a man's job. We ought to send a monkey first,
1: and then the power in Mark Wahlberg's pod goes out because you know what? That's what happens to technology in this world. You know what? Trump and his stupid space force dumbass. Back on the space station, the crew of like five that we actually see, they start getting a mayday call from some random guy. More on that mayday call. Around the end of what? Act two?
0: At the time I gave up hope.
1: Back in outer space, Mark Wahlberg, he goes through a time tunnel and according to the controls on his space pod, which is capable of determining the time, day, and year that he is in, the numbers just start spinning forward hundreds and hundreds of years. Doc Brown's del- Florian had more believable movie magic technology to accurately measure where and when a person was in time. In this movie, it's just silly
0: not since the opening credits of buck rogers in the 25th century (laughs) has a display been so accurate in predicting someone going hundreds of years in the future it's really ridiculous yeah he's suddenly uh he goes through this like zap of energy Mm -hmm. and then he is in clear space you know Mm -hmm. it's it's moose sailing all of a sudden he is falling into the atmosphere of a planet that is it the earth we don't know
1: yeah well his ship comes down and crashes onto Dagobah, where I'm guessing he is going to meet Master Yoda and learn the ways of the Force. He's going to pick up a box. He's going to lift up some rocks. He's going to stand on his head. And I won't forget what Yoda said. He said, Luke, stay away from the darker side. And if you start to go astray, let the Force be your guide. Oh, my Yoda. Yeah, 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 Yoda.
0: Uh, sorry, I I was lost in that for a minute. Can we just do that the rest of the episode?
1: <laughs> this is one hundred percent Empire Strikes Back. The ship crashes on a planet. It sinks in a swamp.
0: The only difference is instead of Yoda, he immediately runs into surly Chris Christopherson (laughs) who's just like, get out of the fucking way. And is like running through the jungle
1: jungle. It's a soundstage with a bunch of house plants.
0: It's surprising how cheap some of this movie looks considering how good some of it looks. And then not only do we have Chris Christopherson, but there's also some model that don't matter in this movie at all who is running estella warren is, is the actress's name and in this movie her name is i don't know betty it doesn't matter
1: it's dana
0: sure and then <laughs> then he just sees a bunch of other people running and he's just like oh my god, bro, where's everybody going? Are they opening a new in
1: and out I should follow these guys. Jesus Christ, we gotta get out of here.
0: And then he just starts running with them. And then finally we have the real stars of this movie. We have a bunch of monkeys jumping 30 feet into the air after these humans.
1: Yeah, gravity is operating at about 40%. These apes fly through the air like they are on guide wires from a local junior college drama department production of Peter Pan.
0: It's like... every Every time one of the monkeys jumps, it looks like the A-team has set a trap for the villains <laughs> and sent them flying into the air. It's that level of ridiculousness.
1: So these apes are running around, they're capturing all these humans, and at this point none of the humans speak any words to each other, so you're wondering, can they talk, do they talk, will they talk? And then the main bad guy shows up, and his name is General Thade, as played by Tim Roth, and he looks down at Mark Wahlberg, and He's staring back at him and he says to another character, uh, Atar, who is this giant gorilla military muscle, as played by Michael Clark Duncan, he says, This one looked at me. Everything about General Thade is just pissed off and angry throughout this entire film, and it is never explained why.
0: Yeah, he just hates humans. There's yes. no good reason for it. He's just a, a, a speciesist. Right. This movie, let's just say up front, kind of dances around being about race in a really ham-fisted and blatant way that doesn't do any part of the conversation about race any good.
1: And I have a few exhibits that I would like to enter into evidence as we continue this conversation about how misguided this movie is in dealing with racial issues in these united states
0: here's the point chad where the movie looks me square in the eyes and says bo how about you go fuck yourself So Marky Mark, after General Thade, is like, this one looked at me. And he grabs the leg of Michael Clark Duncan. And Michael Clark Duncan then parrots a line from the original Planet of the Apes that Charles Heston uses. Uh, The original line, of course, being, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape.
1: That's not what he says here.
0: No, he says, get your hands off me, you damn dirty human.
1: And everyone collectively sighs and shrugs a little and just drops their head really that's what we're doing
0: yes and that sets the tone for this movie in a way that i find helpful because (laughs) it lets me know i don't have to care anymore (laughs) and i do appreciate that much like as if they're trying to court me again into liking this movie we go to monkey city Mm -hmm. now i'm interested again because it's worth saying that the rick baker makeup in this is amazing it truly is a, an achievement. And because they look like they look like fucking real monkeys that talk and and move around, like some is better than others. Like we'll talk about the Helena Bonham Carter mask is not so great, but like the Michael Clark Duncan one and yeah. the general Thade makeup for Tim Roth. It's genuinely like I'm so glad that they didn't try to CGI this because it would have looked terrible at the time. This actually looks like something that could hold up like if the movie were actually good. It, <laughs> then it would have been the thing that made it sort of evergreen. That no matter what, this would always be pretty impressive makeup.
1: After they capture all the humans, they put them in this big rolling wooden wagon. It kind of looks like that wagon that Stromboli used to carry Pinocchio and all those cigar smoking Lost Boys to Pleasure Island. This wagon rolls into a set that looks a lot like Indoor, uh, where the Ewoks lived and worked and loved and played and had dreams and hopes. And as the wagon rolls in, fans of the original motion picture are treated to seeing actress Linda Harrison in the cart of humans. And Harrison was Nova in the original Planet of the Apes. And she was, of course, the woman that has no real dialogue in the original movie and is objectified by Charlton Heston for the entirety of the film. Right. So she kind of pops up to sort of like shake her head and grunt a little. So you're like, hey, that's fun. We're doing continuous callbacks to the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes movie. That's what we're going to do. From Dan Dirty Apes Now we're getting the woman from the original film So let's just continue to hit the beats That we know and love from the original film
0: Right, and this violates the Bo Ranstow rule of filmmaking Number seven Mm-hmm Which is, quit reminding me of much better movies in your crappy movie.
1: And this movie does not do that. It continually reminds you of better movies that you would rather be watching.
0: Yes, namely Planet of the Apes, which every time they reference that movie, it's like, yeah, that was so much better than this.
1: It's here that we get treated to a tour of the monkey world, and it has everything that you would want in a monkey world. There are monkeys getting high on the streets. There's a monkey getting a haircut. There is an organ grinder, but in this instance, the monkey is the one turning the crank on the music box and the one doing the dancing on the street is a humiliated little person struggling to pay his bills as a working actor in Hollywood.
0: Yeah it's an upside down world Chad where monkeys (laughs) rule and little people are made to dance.
1: Mark Wahlberg he finally starts making sense of all this and he's like hey bro where am I what is this place what's going on which number one. Why would he assume that everyone here speaks English? And number two, why does everyone in this movie speak English?
0: It's a fine question, Chad. I have no answers for you. I don't know why the monkeys are speaking English. I guess, I i mean, once we get to the end of the movie and the big secret is revealed uh, as to the origin of the the monkey civilization, yeah, maybe that makes sense. But it, it also feels like there should be their own dialect and their own slang, like uh, almost a, a clockwork orange style peppering of unfamiliar words into their language. right everyone of course has seen the british miniseries threads about nuclear
1: war of course
0: but at the end of that Mm -hmm. when they flash forward uh, like 20 years in the future after society has broken down they've got their own language in that movie and that makes more sense to me than everyone just being like yo bro did you happen to catch the game last weekend boy those jets were really something on the field they really pulled it off in the fourth quarter and everyone's like "Uh uh-huh go on this is all very interesting we at least get something that does my heart good which is these monkey kids throwing rocks at these terrible humans
1: it's at this point we meet Ari who is played by Helena Bottom Carter and Ari is the compassionate female adult chimpanzee who has the Jennifer Aniston haircut that was so wild popular in the late 90s.
0: <laughs> I didn't notice that, but you're absolutely right. I, I didn't realize that this monkey had the Rachel. Uh, that's very funny.
1: Helena Bottom Carter. She's wearing this face prosthetic that you mentioned earlier. And it looks a lot like the prosthetics that Rick Baker created to make the Who's in Whoville for How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which came out a year prior to this movie. If you want to hear more about that, please go to Pick Six Movie Season 4, Episode 1. Very funny. These prosthetics appear to impact an act. ability to breathe inward as well as how they speak outward through the latex and how it impacts their teeth and their lips. My overall point is that whenever you wear this, you sound a lot like Jack Palance. For example, our sympathetic female lead chimpanzee, Ari, tells some boys, as you noted earlier, that are throwing rocks at the humans in this wooden wagon. She comes in and she's like, you there who said you could throw rocks at these humans. And this kid monkey, he's like, my dad said it was okay to treat humans like shit. And then Ari says, your father was wrong. And you can tell him that I
0: said so. (laughs) You're living in a city of monkeys. Believe it?
1: or not. This kid monkey looks at her and goes, human lover, and he bangs his chest. Ari turns around and she makes eye contact with Mark Wahlberg. This kid clearly has an eye for matchmaking because he knows when, you know, chimpanzees are, are getting the hots for humans. Kthump kthump. It's here that we get to meet Paul Giamatti as Limbo, who is this orangutan who is a slave trader of humans. Mm-hmm. And Giamatti, he sees all the captured humans and he's like, ah, oh, these humans are sleazy and scuzzy, but you know what? I'll take them. I'll clean them up and I'll make a buck or two off peddling human flesh. You know what? Also, audience, I'm going to be the misguided comic relief in this movie, me. Paul Giamatti, hilarious slave trading orangutan. You know,
0: Paul Giamatti. Uh, I dearly love him as an actor, not just because I think he's a great actor, but also because he likes to do weird shit. G- clearly, this is a big budget movie, but he also wanted to do a sequel to the movie Bubba Hotep called Bubba Nosferatu, in which he was going to play the president and was actually going to produce this movie. Now, the movie never came to fruition, but. The fact that Paul Giamatti was like huh that sounds like a real good idea (laughs) this is why i love paul giamatti and here he like you said he's the comic relief of the film but i don't know that making a slave trader your comic relief under any circumstance is necessarily a great idea no it's not and most of the comedy quote comedy of this character comes from the fact that he's a hapless slave trader
1: yes all these humans are being shifted into two different groups there are women in one group men and the other and then as they split up we hear chris kristofferson say to his daughter don't be afraid so you're like oh these humans can speak english that's good to know
0: they were just giving marky mark the cold shoulder the whole ride over we was like yo bro where am i and they were like just don't encourage this don't
1: no don't he's he's not <laughs> one of
0: us boy this thing's rickety I, i'll tell you they don't have shocks here no, no <clears> throat> suspension throat> oh my <throat> goodness and also hey bro can you say anything <clears throat> you got a real bad throat problem there bro (laughs) you you probably need a lozenge or something i've got some in my spaceship did i tell you i came here in a spaceship (laughs) I can tell by your look. I probably did mention it. I've been I've been talking a lot. You guys are real tight-lipped.
1: At this point, General Thade shows up with his niece, and I'm guessing her mom, which makes this woman either Thade's sister or sister-in-law. And this little monkey girl in this scene, she's wearing a pretty blue dress, and she's looking for a new pet human for her to take home. And this little monkey girl is played by an actor named Deep Roy. And Deep Roy is the actor that went on to collaborate with Tim Burton in the films Big Fish as well as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where Deep Roy played every single one of the Oompa Loompas. Hmm. <laughs> in this scene this little girl monkey she's wearing this blue dress and she goes over and picks out this little blonde haired blue-eyed white girl to take home as her pet and then we as the audience see the world through a different set of eyes and we grow a little
0: yeah it's like matthew mcconaughey was doing his big summary at the end of the case and uh time to kill now imagine that monkey was white <laughs> if you want to kill Early Haley, before you do that, I just want you to consider for one second (laughs) this little chimpanzee child. Anyway.
1: That made the whole episode worthwhile right there.
0: (laughs) So she ends up picking out the little girl and and Marky Mark is given Fade the stink eye the whole time. Thade who has already had some issues with Marky Mark of just like hey quit looking at me. Like, what are you talking about bro? I'm just curious I just want to see what's going on. Finally Helena Bottom Carter and Thade are having this conversation about how treating the humans like this demeans everyone <laughs> you know like it, it makes the, them as bad as the humans or whatever and again this is another one of those moments of like oh this is clever racial commentary if you've never seen anything uh, about race before on film
1: yeah ari sees the girl monkey leading off this little white girl and then she says look at the way they're treating the humans it means us as much as it means them believe it or not (laughs) meanwhile paul jimani is like boy, we got some
0: branding to do. So he he pulls out Estella Warren first and they brand her with a hot iron.
1: Yeah, Dana, Chris Christopherson's maybe daughter, maybe it's his wife, maybe it's his girlfriend. We don't know.
0: And- she is one of those impossibly beautiful people. She doesn't really say that much in this movie and she certainly doesn't do very much in this movie. She's just like, Oh wow, that's a very pretty person. They need to get rid of this character. And look from the moment that monkey Helena Bonham Carter's eyes meet Marky Mark, she wants to fuck him. Yes. There's far more evidence to my monkey loving theory, but that's what this movie ought to be about.
1: I don't think in the history of cinema that I have seen a, a greater display of literal jungle fever as much as i see in this motion picture
0: yeah if only stevie wonder had seen this movie first <laughs> he, bo, he could have tailored that song well
1: yes he's why
0: uh, i you know they have those audio description things in movies what
1: the fuck a monkey fucking a man i'm not doing the soundtrack for this movie
0: are you telling me spike lee is directing a monkey fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, no, Stevie. It's 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 Tim Burton. Who? He did what? <laughs> Beetlejuice? Fuck Beetlejuice. I did songs in the key of life. (laughs) Tim Burton can lick my ass. Tell Spike never to call me again.
1: At this point in our film, Ari, our uh, Jennifer Aniston haircut chimpanzee, she goes over to open up the cage and Mark Wahlberg, he grabs Ari in a perceived act of violence and he holds her very tight. And at this point he has in his hand the branding iron that Paul Giamatti was using to brand the humans. And he's threatening our kind of hippy dippy Ari but he gets up close to her and he says yo brah you gotta help me please I'm just a, a spaceman you gotta help me out and then Paul Giamatti's like yeah see these are all animals they're they're horrible horrible monsters and it's at this point that you really get to see Ari kind of give fuck eyes to Mark Wahlberg and then Ari says hey you know what what if I buy Mark Wahlberg and Dana and then Paul Giamatti says well you know maybe we could uh, you know work out some kind of payment arrangement you know you and me and then she tussles paul giamatti's beard and my question to you bo is is ari implying that she will fuck paul giamatti to get these two humans
0: i think she is but i don't think she's planning on any follow-through here because she, she's got her eye on a different fella I, but i think she is using her chimp sexuality to get her way
1: we cut back to ari's house where we get to meet her father senator sander played by the aforementioned david warner and he's got some real money he's got a house Full of human servants and slaves.
0: Uh, He's an ambassador to what we don't know, but he's an ambassador. Don't
1: matter. There's also an ape named Crawl that's helping out around the house, and it turns out that Crawl is a disgraced former soldier that had a run-in with General Thade. We might touch on that later, but just keep that in mind. There's a lot of characters in this movie.
0: Yeah. Also, going back to rule number seven, Crawl is a better movie than this.
1: Maybe it had
0: it had the cool knife. You
1: know what? Put a pin in that. I got some thoughts on that for episode six. This season,
0: (laughs) fair enough. But yeah, and David Warner is complaining about like wild humans being in his house as he's about to have this big dinner party. Marky Mark is like, "Hey, bro, why are all these monkeys acting like this? This is crazy. It's like a topsy-turvy world." Estella Warren is like, "Well, how else would they behave? They're you know they are our masters." And he's like, "I boy, I just don't get it. I'm from the United States Air Force. I." I don't know anything about this crazy monkey world that we're living in over
1: here. Turns out Sandar's having dinner with this Senator Nado, who is played by the guy that played Otho in Beetlejuice. And so these apes have a constitutional democracy, right? Because we have senators and ambassadors. They all represent the collective population and help to guide policy in their government. Is that's what's going on here? I
0: like to think of it as a chimpocracy, but yes.
1: (laughs) Senator Nando's wife comes in and she's played by Lisa Marie, who was Tim Burton wife at the time of this film shooting
0: until he saw helena Bonham carter in her chimpanzee outfit and then he was like i'm totally gonna fuck that
1: it's on the set of this movie that these two started fucking and those two stopped fucking yeah that had to be an awkward premiere
0: it would have been if lisa marie was allowed to go to it <laughs> by the time this movie opened then uh people were like so uh what about uh your co-star lisa marie who? I'm sorry, I don't recognize the name. And she will, uh, I assure you, never work in another Tim Burton film again.
1: During this dinner, all the other guests start showing up, including General Thade. And he shows up to snap and growl at all these people. And then Thade says to Sandar, My father is in poor health. And... Sandar's like, yo, your father was an old friend of mine. And this movie has a move that it does a lot where characters mention other characters that we haven't met yet. And they give us exposition and they want us to remember the character relationships so that later when we meet those characters, we have an understanding of how everybody is connected to one another. Hey, movie, I don't want to have to, like, take notes to understand what is going on 45 minutes later
0: for a movie this stupid in particular just dumb it down this whole scene is one extended metaphor for race yet again because it's them talking about trying to live side by side with humans and that humans when they try to integrate them into ape society it created this welfare state and now they just want to get rid of them and how humans have no soul and there is one interesting moment in this whole movie I think and it's partly because Tim Roth is just a good villain where he grabs Marky Mark, who's like, oh, hey, bro, what are you doing? And he bends him over the table and pries open Marky Mark's mouth and looks in into uh, his, his extended jaws and says, is there a soul in there? And it's really a cool moment within this scene. And again, in a in a smarter movie, in a movie not directed by Tim Burton, first of all, that deals a little more explicitly with the racial themes that they dance around in this movie, but they never embrace fully. It's always sort of like, well, that's subtext. And it's like, yeah, but you've got no real tech. So why not just make that what your movie is about?
1: <laughs> During this scene, they mentioned that humans outnumber apes four to one. And then Senator NATO's wife suggests that the government sterilize all humans. And they, like you said, they talk about the welfare state. They don't want any diversity in ape land or whatever they call their world.
0: The United States of Ape America. <laughs>
1: But before they start to eat, it should be noted that Atar, the big gorilla heavy of the military, he slams down his fist and he demands that everyone bow their heads and pray before they eat. And Atar he gives a prayer and he thanks Simos, who created the apes in his image, and they look to the day when he returns to bring peace and prosperity to all ape kind. Not only is this movie really sort of indirectly dancing around racial issues, this whole scene feels like they're really sticking their thumb in the eye to Christianity specifically, but just organized religion.
0: But again, it doesn't ever pay off. except I mean, towards the end of the movie there's a moment where Atar is like, "Oh, it turns out everything I believed was bullshit." But that's kind of it and it, the movie doesn't if there is a comment being made about that, it's it's completely out of any kind of context. Look, I'm the first person to say that making fun of religion can be enjoyable sometimes, but it, there's got be a point to it.
1: Right, but in, in a movie that is capable of framing up perspectives about race, religion, culture, society, technology, especially in a, a movie that is kind of rooted in science fiction, at this point in the movie, it's just, you know, it's like, why didn't they just call their, their savior, you know, Jeebus Christ? It doesn't go anywhere or do anything.
0: It's, it's just like the racial stuff of, it's like, we're gonna bring this up, and we're not gonna do anything with it. There's no it's sort of like arguing with someone who only knows the core argument as far as like racism is bad okay please expand on that i can't right and and it's the same kind of thing of like okay you're you seem to be making uh one of these characters who is kind of not played for laughs necessarily but but comes to a, an epiphany at the end of the film that his religious beliefs are ultimately for naught right and foolish but so what about that like what is the point of that i'm fine with making that criticism if you just finish the sentence and this movie never does that with any of anything that it brings up which is why this is one of the shittiest scripts for any movie we have ever talked about because it aims high it thinks it's clever and it's
1: it's it's just not to quote steve martin in planes trains and automobiles when you tell a story have a point it makes it so much more interesting for the listener
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, that it, it is somebody telling a story that has no conclusion. There's all that nonsense happening. Meanwhile, Helena Bonham Carter is like, I can't sit here and listen to all, all of you badmouth humans like this. And she fucks off from dinner. Fade follows her a little bit later. And the whole point of this is to establish that he has the hots for her. And she's just like, I appreciate what you're saying, but we are very different people. Also, have you seen Marky Mark, by the way? I mean, those abs, shit.
1: But also, Thade is potentially using Helena Bottom Carter's character for his own personal ambition so you don't know is he hot for her or is he just realizing her dad is a senator ambassador maybe he's a president of monkey island i don't know and he can sort of help him gain more power as life goes on
0: right so later that night after they have put all the humans back in their cages Mm -hmm. marky mark uh swiped a knife at dinner yep and immediately starts jimmying open his like he's like look bro these monkeys they don't know how to lock people up for shit i can get right out of this thing (laughs) he and dana are about to escape along with uh, a bald dude that was probably in stargate and if he wasn't he should have been
1: he was in the mummy and mr deeds that guy with the beard and bald head but other house slaves that are humans
0: they're taking off meanwhile some of Thade's men are like hey we found something to Thade, and you need to come check this out so they lead him to the place where Mark marky marks spaceship has crash landed like you can see the hole in the the canopy of the trees and it's crashed into uh this lake Mm Thade is just like i am so glad you guys pointed this out to me you got i'm telling you gold star for each of you today oh thanks if you will just look at the lake for a second
1: over this way
0: yes uh, away from me
1: you'd like for both of us to turn our backs to you and look at the the lake over there
0: yeah just admire there there's a mist yeah. coming off the water yes. it's really beautiful this time of night so don't don't worry about what i'm doing oh. and meanwhile he pulls out two knives and it's just like Woo-ha-ha! and then just fucking apes out on him with the knife and kills them both
1: i don't understand Thade's in game in any of this
0: well he doesn't want he like Look, I'm trying to defend this shitty script, and I apologize in advance for this. But I think the idea is that Thade has seen some glimmer of consciousness and or determination in Marky Mark's face that the rest of us as an audience have never seen. (laughs) Because all he's done is just like, where are we going? Oh, okay, I'm running with you guys. Oh, now we're in a cage. Who knew? So we've never seen any glimmer of this, but he apparently doesn't think that Marky Mark is up to any good. And the fact that I guess that he thinks that if the story gets out that Marky Mark came from space that it's going to undermine his authority maybe eh, all right let's just keep
1: going Mark Wahlberg and Dana they make their way back over to Paul Giamatti's Slavatorium and they bust out Chris Christofferson and a bunch of other human slaves and then we get this Uncle Tom comment from one of the humans who is actually black in reference to a white human that worked as a slave for Senator Sandar and I was just like you know what enough already in this movie i was like you know what are we gonna have separate water fountains for the humans and the apes are the humans gonna have to ride in the back of eight buses how on point are we gonna have to be about unnecessary racial commentary in this film that goes nowhere
0: right it gets dropped in the third act which is why this is so borderline offensive when one of the slaves is like i'm not escaping with that house human you're like whoa can we just not in this movie please can we just focus on the fact that that a bunch of monkeys are attacking each other? Let's just do that.
1: Then we get a sequence that is reminiscent of Ferris Bueller hauling ass to get back to his home before his parents show up. Because... <laughs> The humans and the couple of apes that are with them, they just run through all of these monkey houses one by one. And they start off making their way through the bedrooms of Senator Nato and his monkey wife. And she's wearing monkey lingerie and they're doing this mating ritual sex dance with a lot of grunting and arm pumping. And they run in and it's this like, you know, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, ba-da-ba-ba.
0: When when he runs into the uh the room with the monkey with lingerie, the, the camera lingers there and he just strolls back into frame. He's like, Hi, uh Marky Mark, nice to meet you. And they, they, so they go to the niece's room and she sees them as like, ah! and they get the little girl out of the cage in that room. And then all of a sudden, like alarms are going off and everybody's.
1: Did they go through a room where a monkey takes off his monkey toupee and takes out his monkey dentures? <laughs> and yeah. it's <laughs> yeah, and it's I- just like. <laughs> I like the
0: fact that even in monkey society that there is still that level of vanity where a monkey is like I'm going bald as a chimpanzee can somebody give me a, a human hair toupee to pretend like I'm not losing my monkey hair
1: at this point Ari shows up and she says she wants to grab her human slaves that she purchased and bring them back to her house and then Mark Wahlberg's like yo yeah, bro why did you help me out, Ari? Like, you're such a beautiful ape Why would someone as lovely as you help a dumb Air Force trained, you know, space astronaut like me? And then Ari's like, because you're not like the others. And then Ari says she'll help the humans escape.
0: He tells her, like, this is the biggest, like, sex overture ever when uh he's like, Look, bro. You show me the way out. I'll show you something that'll change your world forever. <laughs> right, and and he's like, <laughs> look, back on the station, Pericles used to give me a rub and tug every now and again, so I'm kind of used to this. All I gotta tell you, it's like fifty percent of your normal grip. I know that from experience.
1: At this point, all of the apes start going door to door looking for the missing humans, like the military apes. It's here that we see Chris Christofferson and he's bleeding, and Dana calls him father, and you're like, well, fine. Finally, that mystery is solved because I didn't know if you were his daughter, girlfriend, sister, mistress, wife, grandmother. You know, I, I don't know how this is all working.
0: To get the, uh, the humans away because there's a big ape pep rally going on for the guards. Where mm-hmm. they're like, We're going to get those humans. Yeah.
1: In the background are all the humans and they're walking across an alleyway in this real bum 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 bum. bum. <laughs> yeah. Bum 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 they might see us
0: insert xylophone music here chris kristotherson is like you guys go ahead i'll take care of this (laughs) and then just grabs a torch Mm -hmm. he's just like you fucking pussy apes let's do this and just hauls ass towards the monkeys to help everyone else escape Mm -hmm. you forget that he's even in this movie because he's only in it for a few minutes but the moment where he's like let's get it on it's great yeah
1: once again lit torches have shown up to illuminate a racist scene in a movie
0: (laughs) right yeah it's a real ku klux chimp (laughs) rally (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so Thade shows up to you know deliver the killing blow to Chris Christopherson. What I kind of wanted to see out of this movie, and it's just a different movie that I want, but I wanted the chimpanzees to attack him the way that chimpanzees really do, where they like rip off his jaw and then genitals and then gnaw off his hands. You know, Jesus Christ, that's how chimpanzees attack, man. That's that that's how they disable you. Not
1: to self, stay away from chimpanzees.
0: Yeah, I look, I've seen any number of chimpanzee documentaries. <laughs> and uh one one of the few species that go to war with each other. It's really interesting. Eesh. Not in this movie, but it's interesting. No.
1: Thade commands Atar to kill all of the humans, but he's like, don't kill Mark Wahlberg. And then Atal says that Ari the hippy-dippy Jennifer Aniston haircut-wearing chimpanzee, that she's helping the humans. Fade immediately concocts this plan to go tell the Senate that Ari had no choice, but she was forced to help the humans and that they abducted her. And then the Senate will hear this and they will say, hey, Fade, you have full authority to go kill all humans, as many as you want. Good plan. Great plan. Only plan
0: then helena bottom carter is telling dana like oh your father was so brave and dana is like you know get your hands off me stupid monkey and there's a great moment where helena bottom carter like after getting assaulted by dana is just like "Ah, ah, ah!" like really monkeys (laughs) out on her yeah and that's probably my favorite part of, of this movie, just in general, is any time that the monkeys start doing monkey shit, like when the the humans like are running through during the escape, and they just jump up on a chandelier and hang there like chimpanzees. Yeah, that's all right, you know. It, again, if that's what the movie was, I'm on board. But as soon as you're like, well, you know, watch out for the house humans, it's like, no, stop all of this.
1: A ragtag bunch of primates and humans, they all reach this swamp, and Ari, Helena, Bottom, Carter. She freaks out because here we learn that apes are afraid of water and that they can't swim. And Mark Wahlberg, he swims down to the bottom of the swamp to get into his down spacecraft and get some supplies or something. And then Dana, the other human, she swims down to help out. I don't know what her plan is. And on her way down there, she finds two dead ape corpses that they stabbed to death in a scene or two previously in the movie.
0: Then Marky Mark has a gun now that he has retrieved from his, his pod in mm-hmm. and a, and a space communicator.
1: Yeah, some sort of homing device that travels not only across space, but time. Because remember, we are hundreds of years in the future or something.
0: Well, and because Marky Mark is a really stupid character in this movie. Yes. He's like, oh my God, you guys, the Oberon is right over that ridge over there. This is great news. Everything's coming up Marky Mark.
1: Yeah, look, you know what? We're we're going to go grab a horse. We're going to head that way. We're going to find the Oberon. boop. I'm back in the good old U.S. of A. And we're going to get this uh, hairy wall bangers opened up sooner than later. Anybody want to invest? We're at the ground level. Come on. This could be a thing. Franchises. You know what I mean? And Dana uh,
0: is, is like, hey, don't you think that if you're getting that signal from this spaceship? And keep in mind, I have no concept of spaceships at all. But if you're getting a signal from that and it was hundreds of years ago... Is it possible that maybe it just crashed there? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about.
1: Why would this ship crash? That ship's never crashed. Look, my
0: pod crashed here. The chances of that that happened twice are astronomical. And I'm an astronaut.
1: I know a lot about astronomy.
0: My best friend Pericles, he said it would it would be almost impossible for that to happen two times. <laughs>
1: Mark Wahlberg says, guys, we got 36 hours to rendezvous with all of my people. We got to get going. Come on, chop, chop. And then for some reason, Paul Giamatti shows up from where, why, who cares? And then Giamatti is trying to recapture all of the slaves that were captured from earlier. And he's just like, oh, geez, I got to capture these human devils, put them back in their holding cells so I can turn a bucket to two and maybe, you know, on the side, find a little heat in a hole. <laughs> it's one of the perks of the job of being a slave trader.
0: Do you think he has sex with the human women? One hundred percent, as the slave trader. Okay,
1: a hundred percent.
0: I was there as well. I just want to make sure we were on the same page <laughs> that he was he was getting it well. With like, Look, I. You know, you gotta test the merchandise.
1: I like that Mark Wahlberg is all like, "Yo, brah, not so fast! I've got a laser blaster from the, you know, the year 2029. Check this out! It's wicked loud. It's wicked big. I'm gonna blast you away!"
0: Like he fires it and blows up a limb or something of a tree. It scares Paul Giamatti and all the guards. At this point, this is another of those moments that's just like, "No, no, no!" In case you forgot, Bo, you don't have to care about none of this. No, it's where Paul Giamatti, like after the gun or the blaster goes off and he's covering his head cowering in fear and he goes can't we all just get along and you're like oh god this sucks this sucks so
1: bad for people who don't know nothing about nothing those were the words spoken by rodney king during the la riots which fun fact Bo, you and i were sharing an apartment as los angeles burned yes and watched those on television together yeah and when it happens in this movie, that particular phrase, in context with race relations and American history, it's just—it's insultingly stupid to say them in this movie. It's—it's—it's it's, it's aggravating.
0: In a perfect world, there could have been a version of this movie that dealt very explicitly with race relations that was directed somebody by someone like like the Hughes brothers that you mentioned in the introduction, or somebody like that. Yeah, that actually would treat the subject matter with a degree of sensitivity and respect. And this movie has none of that. It, You know, we've talked about it already. It, it's out of context. It, it feels wildly out of place. I, you know, I used the phrase borderline offensive earlier. Uh, let's remove borderline. It's just offensive.
1: And also during this scene, Giamatti's character is trying to grab a metal pipe that I assume he's going to beat Mark Wahlberg to death with as he's talking about ape human harmony. And then Mark Wahlberg fires off another shot from his boot boomstick and he's like yo broad not cool not cool at all we're gonna take you prisoner now What else are we going to do? You were trying to grab that pipe and beat me to death.
0: And then the Kroll gorilla grabs the gun and destroys it.
1: And again, for those scoring at home, Kroll is the gorilla that lived with Ari, Helena Bottom Carter, in her home with her senator, ambassador father. He's just kind of like a, I don't know, what a house buddy or something?
0: Yeah, he's a butler or something, or head of household. Yeah, who knows? Who cares?
1: But he destroys this gun, which you know what? Had he not done that, this entire movie would end very differently yes it's like this weird Chekhov's gun it's like hey everybody I brought a gun on stage let's destroy it then why did you even introduce that into your film
0: that would be more like Godot's gun (laughs) that would be great a gun is found no one uses it (laughs) yeah it's it's infuriating and then when Marky Mark is like Hey, bro, what'd you do? We just had a, a tactical advantage over our enemies. And he's like, well, I had to bring it so it can't be used on us. Look, we're on the same team, bro. I'm team human. You're on team human now, too. Everything's kosher so we cut away from this nonsense to uh, Thade and David Warner Mm -hmm. doing this West Wing walk and talk about Thade uh, saying he can you know he can find Helena Bonham Carter but he needs David Warner to allow him the freedom to do so he needs to declare martial law and give Thade absolute authority to just kill every human that they find
1: and after exhaustive consideration of about two seconds Senator Sanders says "Mm, okay
0: (laughs) Senator Senator Sanders, you said. <laughs> <laughs> After serious consideration, it's become clear to me, the humans have to go. Look, the the richest 1% of monkeys have 90% of all humans. <laughs> what we want to do is we want to take some of those humans, give them to the poor monkeys, and that way they'll lift it up. Then we can kill all the humans.
1: Bum, 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 bum,
0: Thank you. <laughs> Fade. <laughs> then tells like after he gets this absolute authority he tells michael clark duncan like i'm i'm counting on you yeah michael clark duncan is like yeah all right we're buddies i suppose let's let's do this let's kill a bunch of humans then we we find uh marky mark and helena bonham carter having a little chit chat about his world where again in a different movie this conversation would matter where he's talking about how hey back on my planet it's not a planet of the apes at all it's planet of the people bro like we have monkeys in, in cages in zoos and we do experiments on them it's kind of brutal bro she's like well that sounds terrible but that's what we do to humans <clears> hmm <throat> maybe we're the same after all just uh, this movie is so infuriatingly stupid he says you know the smarter humans get bro the more dangerous we become and then Helena bombam carter really puts the moves on him because she stops him in just dead inch tracks and is like i knew it you are a sensitive man believe it or i'll fuck you
1: I like this scene when she's talking to him and she kind of comes across as Lucy Van Pelt talking to Schroeder while he's playing the piano. You know what I mean? She's just like, you know, Mark Wahlberg, you're so handsome and charming as a human. Do you think I'm beautiful? You didn't answer my question right away. You had to think about it first, didn't you? If you really thought I was beautiful, you would have just spoken right up. But you know what? I've been insulted. I know what I've been insulted.
0: yeah you know once again i'm asking the question of myself why is the dana character in this movie at all if the romantic tension is clearly happening between these two characters Mm -hmm. which i'm totally fine with that's actually an interesting take on this material is that he's like yo bro i think i'm gonna get it wet with this monkey
1: (laughs) i got two things you can get rid of get rid of the dana character gone and then get rid of any fight sequence between all of the monkeys and the humans at the end. Just let the, the core characters go on this journey to discovering the history of apes and let that play out. You don't need any of the battle sequences that we're going to yammer about here in a few minutes
0: yeah but you can make that complaint of just modern movies in general and Tim Burton modern Tim Burton movies in particular like those Alice in Wonderland movies that just end in Lord of the Rings battles at the end for no good reason
1: I didn't even know that was a thing but okay
0: that no that absolutely I watched the first one of those on cable or something and felt stupid (laughs) like I felt like I had been duped by the end of that
1: movie but you don't need any of that you don't need this competitive female vying for Mark Wahlberg's affection you don't need any of of the violent battles at the end of this film what's interesting about this movie and I use that term very loosely is sort of the history of the apes and the way the whole time travel component plays out it doesn't require any violence at all
0: like a good science fiction movie and, and like the original Planet of the Apes like the resolution of that movie is much more about yeah I mean there's the twist on the end of you know you blew it up but it's kind of this moment of you know melancholy resignation and and it, it feels like there's an actual statement being made about Charlton heston's place in this new world and and so forth you know the nova character is just along for the ride although i would argue nova has more agency in that movie than dana does in this one
1: absolutely
0: which is weird that a movie made you know almost half a century later is less thoughtful about its subject
1: matter speaking of charlton Hest, let's talk about general Thade going to visit his dying father as noted in the opening during this scene, Charlton Heston plays the father of Fade. Thade shows up and the two of them have a chat. And during this scene, the dying old man, played by Charlton Heston, says, in the time of before time. We were the slaves of the humans, and they were the masters. And then Charlton Heston directs his monkey son to go over and pick up this red orb, which none of us remember seeing during the opening credits. And then Charlton Heston, excuse me, then monkey Charlton Heston tells uh, his son, General Thay, to smash the orb and see what's inside. And when he smashes it open, inside is a gun. And then monkeyfied Charlton Heston says that, man, has. The power of invention and technology, and a gun is like a thousand spears. And then Monkeyfied Charlton Heston says that you need to make sure that Mark Wahlberg doesn't get to Chlamydia in the Forbidden Zone.
0: Not Chlamydia, it's Kalima.
1: And that the Forbidden Zone holds the secrets to our beginnings. And then General Thade says, Sure thing, Pop, I'll go kill Mark Wahlberg. And then we get to hear Monkeyfied Charlton Heston say, As his last words, damn them, damn them all to hell, which is the line that he famously uttered at the end of the first Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. When he sees the Statue of Liberty, you know what? Please stop. Don't do that. I implore you. Do not remind me of other movies that are better than the movie that i'm in it, again it's Bose rule number seven just don't do that
0: yeah it's really distracting and awful it would have almost been better if he had held onto the gun and they was like let me see it and he was like you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold ape hands <laughs> like that would have been at least entertaining as opposed to just like oh yeah you're what a surprise how clever this fucking movie is oh charlton heston's an ape in this one. Oh, and he used the same line as he did in the first one ripping off the original is only good if your movie is as good or better than, <laughs> than the movie that you're aping chad mm-hmm. yeah it's terrible and and let's pretend that it never happened uh so marky mark and his uh, team of neer wells are at the edge of the forbidden lands mm-hmm. which is marked by a bunch of gorilla scarecrows
1: but that's that's a callback, again, to the original movie.
0: Yeah, uh, and they find that there is a camp of 300-style Spartan monkeys that just hang out at this camp. At first, the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, they're there to intercept Marky Mark and, and the Funky Monkeys. Instead, it's just like, no, 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 this is just an outpost of the military. Then Michael Clark Duncan has to show up and be like, hey, look, uh, those humans are coming this way, so you guys quit fucking around, pay attention for once.
1: And also during this scene, you get more commentary on their god, Simos, and you get more parallels to Christianity, and they discuss how, you know, religion is more like a fairy tale, but according to Mark Wahlberg, when he's kind of looking at this sort of like, like detector doodad location that he has in his hand, he's like, oh, no, 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 bro. We're heading the right direction. This has nothing to do with, you know, sort of religion and God. It's more science than it is mythology.
0: Yeah, because uh, they're asking about like his gun or whatever it was. And they're like, oh, it's magic. He's like, no, bro, it's not. It's not magic at all. It's science. Yeah, and again, in a different movie, you can have that conversation through the course of the film about, is magic just the science that we don't understand, or all that stuff, and, you know, the the opiate of the masses stuff, like is this monkey society using religion to lie to its people you know uh you can have that conversation within the film but again this movie is just not nearly smart enough to do either of those things
1: do you think that that's somewhat reflective of the shortened window that they had to make this movie
0: that and also the fact that the script just went through so many iterations Mm -hmm. that at a certain point how on earth could it have ever been coherent about anything right nobody had the the forethought or, or the will to say Like, we are going to ground up, rewrite this script so that it all hangs together and makes sense. As opposed to like, well, we're going to take a little bit from this script and a little bit from this script. And, oh, this has some racial stuff in it and that's kind of interesting. This has some religious stuff in it and that's kind of interesting. And this one has Marky Mark in it, so let's take a little bit of that.
1: I think that this movie has threads of continuity that make sense. It's just when you put them together, they don't coalesce in a coherent overall motion picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it goes back to our discussion up front about how Tim Burton just can't tell a story. He's a great visual director, and there are great visuals within this movie. Night falls on our camp of army monkeys, and Marky Mark and his crew steal some horses to cross a river, and there's a big deal about how Helena Bottom Carter doesn't want to go across because monkeys can't swim and they're all going to drown, and Marky Mark's like, don't worry about it, bro, I got gotcha. you." i'm never gonna let you drown you're my monkey pal between you and pericles i i it feels like everything's coming on monkeys and i'm the winner so they send up a flare to distract i guess the camp of monkeys but as soon as they do that they immediately just start riding through the camp on these horses
1: and torching it
0: yeah it's just like whole ass across the river man you don't have to stop and do a a sherman's march to the sea against these monkeys (laughs) All you've got to do is get on the other side of the river and you're home free because, as we've pointed out, the monkeys can't swim. It's like machete. (laughs) Machete don't text. Monkeys don't swim. Two rules of cinema. So this young kid, we haven't really talked about because he doesn't matter. At all. Yeah, he he gets knocked off his horse. Marky Mark has to go back to get him. In so doing, he gets behind everyone else and uh, his horse gets killed or something, who cares, or runs off. So he has to actually put Helena Bottom carter on his back and swim across this river mm-hmm. he's just like hey hold on tight bro but you're, you're a big heavy monkey i didn't put it together you you're really dense Thade then shows up uh at this camp and gets the bad news that hey we lost all these humans across the river and then he just goes again <laughs> ape shit uh and starts tearing the place apart and then michael clark duncan is like whoa man you really doing a number on this place and he's like sorry pal my dad just died it's been quite a day
1: when he goes ape shit it reminded me of when roger rabbit took a shot of whiskey and just started fucking pinballing all over the place
0: it's one of the more enjoyable moments in this movie for me to see tim roth just chimpanzee it up after he tells you know michael clark duncan that his dad's gone they just like okay well i guess we're gonna go to war somehow or another we're gonna get across this river somehow like we'll we'll skip over that detail and we're gonna go after them i guess on the other side of the river our heroes question mark uh have a little escapee camp set up Mm -hmm. and Helena Bottom Carter gives her gives uh, some background on Krull, her monkey butler, and says when he he used to be in the military, and he and Atar, the Michael Clark Duncan gorilla were best friends Uh but now they're enemies because Thade grows to power and and krull opposed him and michael clark duncan took Thade's side and now they're mortal enemies we get a shot of dana watching uh helena bonham carter uh as a monkey and marky mark chit-chatting away and she has this look like that bitch Mm mm-hmm it's pretty good
1: there's a lot of tension between dana and ari the helena bottom carter character and it really feels like they're forcing them to hate each other but it never really pays off and then when they become friends at the end you just don't give a shit
0: they don't even really become friends it's just like oh helena uh helena bottom carter at one point kind of saves her helena bottom carter as she's talking to marky mark she's like hey all all these humans think that you're gonna save them because you know you came from the stars and all that kind of thing And then Marky Mark gives her the Kermit speech from the Muppet movie when they're lost in the desert. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, I never promised them anything. (laughs) Meanwhile, Gonzo is at the campfire saying, I want to go back there someday. And it's a really touching moment. You know, there's not a word yet for old friends just
1: meant <laughs> that's a good movie this is not
0: yeah, stop reminding me of better movies
1: as our band of apes and humans travel along we find ourselves in front of a structure that looks shockingly like the statue of liberty from the very first planet of the apes film agreed
0: yes it is the same basic shape yes
1: but it's not
0: it, it takes Marky Mark way too long to figure out what the fuck is going on in this scene.
1: <laughs> Why would you have all of these characters repeat lines from the original film and have scenes and set pieces that are clear parallels to something that we already know. And then when we get to this point in the film, you're going to sort of set up something that looks exactly like the Statue of Liberty on the beach, sort of like, you know, pointy crown coming up into the air. But it's not. It's not that at all. Why, yeah. why would you do that and just have this head fake to your audience where you're just like, yeah, I know it looks like that but fuck all of you, it's not that at all.
0: Because this movie is creatively bankrupt, that's the reason. Here's
1: the thing they come up on this thing that looks straight up like the Statue of Liberty from the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes, but it's not, instead, it is a crash landed spaceship that we're going to get into a little bit more. Because Mark Wahlberg comes up and he's like, Bruh, this is crazy, look at this. Over here, this looks like a spaceship. This is where my buddies are going to be finding me. They're going to be rescuing all of us. And he goes inside, and it's a rotten-out ship. And he's like, hey, what's this over here? Oh, my God, it's it's a human skull. Oh, my God, this looks like the skull of the guy I used to know when I was on the ship a hundred years ago. But I was here just like a few days ago
0: you know they've been referring the apes and even some of the humans have been referring to this place as kalima and you get the reveal of where that name came from and it is pieces of the words caution live animals from the the room full of monkeys that we talked about at the beginning of
1: this i almost saw this movie three times and i didn't get any of that
0: marky mark is finally like holy shit, bro, I think this is the Oberon. (laughs) And so then he opens up the bridge with, he puts his hand on a little handprint thing and a door slides up to let him onto the bridge. And he finds a video log where the commander from... The beginning of the movie explains the plot Mm -hmm. where he's like, hey, by the way, we crash landed on this planet. And then uh, some of our super smart monkeys were having some babies and they were super helpful. But one of them, this monkey named Seamoss, rose to power and led the apes into killing the remaining human.
1: And the mayday call from earlier in the movie is a mayday call from the same ship in the future to itself in the past, right?
0: Yes. Because we see some glimpses of the commander being really old at one point and And so Marky Mark is like, whoa, bro, this is really heavy. I need to take a stroll, really put this thing together. <laughs> and walks out of this ship and just a, hundreds of humans have shown up. Yep. And... Uh, he's like, holy crap, are you guys having a concert or something? I didn't bring, Uh, look, bro, if this is going to be a tailgate
1: party, I'm ready to throw down. Look, for reals, look, look, I'm not your leader. Look, I just want to go back home. I got plans for Harry Wallbangers. Have I told you about this idea? Look, we're looking for investors. If you want to be on the ground level, come on, give me like 20, 30 bucks. This could be a big deal.
0: I'll give you (laughs) $10,008. I don't think that's going to fly, bro. I need i need good old american currency and maybe a bitcoin
1: mark Wahlberg jumps on his horse and he starts giving this speech to all of these humans that are wandering up and he's like look bro we gotta fight we gotta take this to the apes come on man you gotta show them where your heart is here
0: real quick let's just let's acknowledge that this is one of the shittiest rousing speeches of any movie it is
1: because it's basically
0: just him going like listen bros we really got to get our shit together. There's a bunch of monkeys coming and they're not fucking around. So, you know, come on, let's go. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, that's not far from the actual dialogue.
1: When you see it, there's part of you that feels like, oh, this is going to be a William Wallace speech.
0: <laughs> I mean, you yes, you expect that it's going to be like, you know. They could take our land, but they can never take our free... Like that level of, you know, Shakespearean, like let cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Something that actually motivates people as opposed to, <laughs> you know i don't know i mean you guys are all here i guess since you're here let's let's put up a a fight maybe do a revolution or something
1: we could go hide who wants to hide show of hands fight versus hide
0: (laughs) i'll tell you what i can't count all those hands how about we just do it by applause how about how about this uh for everyone who wants to say and potentially die at the hands of a bunch of super smart monkeys who wants to do that just put your hands together (laughs) so when he tells everyone like hey everyone go home i'm gonna draw these monkeys off and no one no one goes anywhere now and marky mark again being the inspiring leader when dana is like no 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 they came for you and he's like you gotta tell these people there's no hope we're all gonna fucking die (laughs) (laughs) and and she says well you came and you're you're the the hero we're looking for and he's just like look this isn't gonna work out at all i got nothing my tank is empty. The beginning and end of my hope came when I went into that spaceship and I realized it was the Oberon. <laughs> Wisely, Helena Bottom Carter is like fuck this noise and she goes to the the monkey camp and goes to find thade and does this chimpanzee thing where she bows her head and puts her hand out in in sort of a show of submission she says i'm here to be with you thade and he you know is like oh so now you've decided uh that you you don't like humans and she was like oh i made some mistakes so she turns coat real fast Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Or you think so?
0: Well, but I mean, other than his next action, if he had just been like, yeah, fuck those humans, let's do this. I'm not sure that she's not on their side.
1: Yeah, you, I, I can see both sides of that argument. But
0: So what he does is he takes the brand that Paul Giamatti had for some reason, and is just like, oh, I've been keeping one of these around just in case you came or, came over, and then brands her hand and, and says, if you want to be a human, wear their mark, and brands her hand and... Uh, uh, then he tells his guards like they she can go back and die with her human friends mm-hmm. then marky mark we cut over ba- back to him and he's watching the video log again because mm-hmm. he's just like listen bro maybe i missed something maybe this isn't as bad as it seems also there's nothing else to watch it's not like they're getting cable here
1: she shows him her hand where they branded her and he's like bro are you serious they did this to you what a dick that guy's a jerk he's an a-class asshole
0: i mean unless that's what you're into in which case hey who am i just stand between two monkeys in love you know bro
1: i gotta tell you he's the first name on the band list at harry Wallbanger's. he's not getting in ever
0: anytime you want to come by i'm gonna give you the the employee discount bro him not getting in the front door but then he rightly says this is all my fault bro and you're like yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you had just stayed on the ship in the first place, none of this shit would have been happening. Like, maybe the planet of the apes would have happened, but they wouldn't have come looking for you and thus ended up on the planet in the first place. So when he's like, this is totally my fault, bro. I'm like, yes, it is. You are totally to blame for the downfall of this civilization.
1: But at this point, Mark Wahlberg, he's sitting in his down spaceship and he's beep, bop, booping on all the buttons. And he comes up with a plan that nobody in the audience understands at all. And Mark Wahlberg explains it very quickly. He's like, Bro, I got an idea. I need everybody to get behind this ship. And listen to this here's what we're going to do on our planet. We had history and people can make a difference because you know what? We're going to stand up to the apes and we're going to confuse them. This is a perfect plan. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about?
0: so behind the ship from what direction is the? Sh- would i be behind this oh ship? bro it's
1: gonna be crazy it's gonna be south or west to east i got it all figured out
0: we don't have a compass i don't know any of those things yeah look at the
1: sun when the sun's going that way you want to go the opposite
0: i guess but what are we hiding for like do we come out at a certain point yes
1: exactly exactly you know when Thade shows up we're gonna give him what for all right you know what i mean you want curly fries with that look
0: i think there's still time to go back are you sure you want to do this i mean this guy kind of an idiot.
1: They chose up with his army of like 10,000 monkeys. And then Dana, she has this little brother or something and he's been hanging around the majority of the movie and nobody gives a shit about him. And then he hasn't done anything except just kind of get smacked around here and there. But in this scene, he's real defiant and he insists on uh, being a horseback rider to help distract all of the enemy monkeys. And then we get this monkey versus human battle and once the monkeys start charging Dana's little brother, it immediately falls over on his horse fucking things up and then mark Wahlberg is like oh jesus christ i gotta go save that blonde headed big titty girl's little brother i gotta i gotta save him i'm the hero of the movie that's what i do so he runs on foot to go save this kid
0: i'm just keeping my (laughs) options open bro i mean i I, I think i got a pretty good thing going on with this chimpanzee lady but you know if that falls through i mean she's got this weird thing on her hand now i don't know how into that i am
1: during this scene he saves this nameless kid that we don't give a shit about because you don't give a shit about of them and then the monkeys are charging faster and faster and they get closer truly this movie provides the closest thing to suspense that it has to offer and then Mark Wahlberg, as the monkeys are getting closer and closer to the faux Statue of Liberty slash crash landed spaceship, he hits this button on this remote control that causes the engines of the spaceship to blast off, thus torching the holy fuck out of like hundreds of monkeys and blasting them into the air across a wave of burning fire with a stench of torched monkey hair that would make your eyelashes curl
0: let's just point out here they can do this one time yes and they do it at the first wave like you said hundreds of chimpanzees have attacked there are literally five times more waiting in the wings and they have completely popped their cork yes on this one blast.
1: When he blasts it off, it's impressive.
0: Right. And there's a moment where Michael Clark Duncan tells Thade, like, oh, we can't stand up against that weapon. And is just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> you know, I don't care if all of us get blasted by this engine or whatever. We're going to go kill them. And Michael Clark Duncan is just like, all right, let's do it. The rest of the monkey army, which is much more impressive than the first round, right. drives forth to kill the, the last of the humans who stand almost no chance here. This is the, the point that we mentioned earlier where Helena Bonham Carter saves uh, Dana at one point. We get a fight between Michael Clark Clark Duncan and his rival gorilla that we don't really care about.
1: This is all against a backdrop of hundreds of monkeys fighting hundreds of humans. I mean, it yes. is like total chaos, people with clubs and spears and beating and killing the shit out of each other.
0: And then Chad, we get to the moment of truth where Thade and Marky Mark are squaring off against one another. The hero and the villain of the movie finally face to face. Yes, And before they can actually do, de- anything right an explosion in the sky interrupts the proceedings and a light appears and sure enough a pod lands mm-hmm. and it's a literal deus ex monkey <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome thank you and and the pod opens up and what do you know holy shit, bro, Pericles, where you been? And like Marky Mark gives him the thumbs up and Pericles gives him the thumbs up uh, right back.
1: And that toothy grin that we all love.
0: Yeah, I mean, Pericles is a charmer. No one's arguing against (laughs) that. All the other apes bow because they think this is Seamon sure which you know in fairness if i were in the monkey religion i probably think that too yeah if i were if i were a monkey atheist if i saw that i would be like you know what i'm a believer now uh seabos literally came from a star in the sky <laughs> fantastic <laughs> i wonder if there are monkey atheists probably so marky mark gets pericles out of the capsule and has a moment where there's a promise in this movie that is not delivered upon no where marky mark says come on pericles let's go explain evolution to these monkeys and that is a conversation i dearly want to hear (laughs) of marky mark explaining the concept of evolution just in general i you know it doesn't even have to be in this movie if you tell me there's a youtube clip of him being like okay bro i think there was like a stew of chemicals (laughs) or something and then there was a one-celled organism bro look i don't know it was like volcanic rock and the next thing you know you got a hairy wall boogers. Did you know there's an investment opportunity? I've got some brochures in my car. Ground level. Come on. Stock options. We're gonna franchise this bro. It's gonna be all over the east coast. Maybe even some on the west coast. I don't know. It depends on how successful we are. Also they've got weird label laws in California. Look I'm getting in the weeds on this thing. Just read the brochure. It'll tell you everything you need to know.
1: At this point General Thade leaps in the air because he's got unfinished business you know, related to the murdering of Mark Wahlberg. And then Thade just continues his beating the shit out of our hero, Mark Wahlberg. Pericles runs off into the the like the crash nearby ship. And then Ari, our hippy-dippy female heroine, she tries to help out, but she's of no real help. And then Mark Wahlberg and Thade, they tumble into the rotting spaceship that looks a lot like the Statue of Liberty, but it's not. Don't get those two things confused. And then Thade is just beating the holy shit out of Mark Wahlberg. And then Pericles 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 jumps in on the action and then Thade straight up backhands the fuck out of Pericles our adorable chimpanzee and smacks him into the like down spaceship and pericles smacks into a wall most likely for my opinion rendering him not alive did you think he was going to be dead at this point
0: what i thought was going to happen almost happens where he's real beat up and i thought it was going to be a moment where at the end of the movie there'd be this moment where marky mark was like bro Pericles I can't believe you died but you died saving us all good job monkey but instead none of that happens right you know he's hurt and then he's fine
1: Mark Wahlberg picks up his gun and he shoots Thade but Thade's armor protects him and then Thade knocks the gun out of Mark Wahlberg's hand and then the two make a rush for the gun and then uh oh Thade gets the gun and then Ari and Dana and her who gives a shit little brother show up and they're inside this down spaceship and then Pericles Who is not dead yet? He crawls over into his cage that he knew from, you know, what, centuries ago. And then Atar kind of wanders in, and you're just like, what is going on in this movie? I've got like eight characters converging into one scene of this movie. And then Mark Wahlberg, he's looking at this dirt covered button, and then Thade is pointing the gun that he now has at Mark Wahlberg. And I'm like, I don't know what is going on in this movie at all and then mark Wahlberg reaches over and smacks the button and a glass door slides down trapping fade who then fires the gun in his hand and then bullets just start bouncing around all over the place
0: it's a real pinball scenario in here as fade does what i call the kylo ren where he just loses his shit and just tears up the room right i kept expecting in this moment oh fade's gonna get shot by his own bullet
1: Every everybody's thinking that bow when he pulls the trigger it's like kapow bing bong bing 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 bong so that one of those is gonna like pierce his brain and it never does
0: instead he just fires until i guess there are no more bullets or he gets tired Ah. and there there is a shot here i like which is of Thade, furious at his his impotence at in trying to kill marky mark curled under one of the desks of the ship just staring daggers at marky mark and breathing hard and it's like man that's a really cool shot again you know there are moments where tim burton has a great visual eye and it's a good performance by tim roth and like those things come together so the movie's not totally bereft of interesting moments but i like this one outside meanwhile michael clark duncan has totally turned on a dime from being the most religious character in the movie to being like fuck simos humans are now fine by me also all the people who died here today we are going to leave the graves unmarked so that apes and humans will be mourned equal and everyone is just like, you know what, Michael Clark Duncan, that sounds great. And that is one of the bigger bullshit moments of this movie where everyone's like, you know what, I really learned something today. I really feel like I've turned a corner. You know, it's the Billy Bob Thornton speech from Bad Santa. <laughs> Where like after he teaches that kid to you know kick people in the balls, where he's like I I really think things are gonna start changing for me now, and it's that kind of thing where every ape who was hell bent on murdering every human thirty seconds before is just like you know what I I think I've really come around on this.
1: Does they just die hiding under a desk?
0: We never who knows we never knew, but I mean I guess not because of the end of the movie maybe.
1: And then Paul Giamatti, remember he was in. In this movie, he pops out of a little monkey holding cell and he's like, Hey, Mark Wahlberg, thanks for showing me the errors of my ways and in, in selling human beings. You certainly opened my eyes to a new form of trade with human beings drug dealing. And then in the very next scene, Paul Giamatti's character, as this orangutan, he's selling aspirin to people that are in indescribable physical pain from the battle that just went down. He's like, Oh, yeah, I can make so much money off of well, so much more money off of prescription drugs thanks a lot
0: yeah i think i've invented big pharma <laughs> hey let me let me invent a disease here's the cure uh but yeah so marky mark is like look bro i can totally get back to earth in this pot it's locked onto the
1: storm it's it, it's it's found the time tunnel that'll get me back like three four hundred years ago i'm gonna go back we're good right
0: helena barnum carter is like huh. you could stay believe it or not he's like look bro as much as i want to get down with some monkey loving i just can't do it i gotta get back i got this hairy wall thing
1: but then they kiss
0: very briefly it should be a more passionate kiss for my money
1: i thought it should be a less passionate kiss but you and i have different currency values
0: look i there there are only two things that turn me on anymore (laughs) and one of them is people dressed as monkeys kissing humans the other one uh just tarantulas um so they they kiss very briefly and then marky mark goes to dana and she just lays one on him like let me show you a human kiss right and what that can do for you Mm -hmm. and he's like boy bro maybe i will stay i'm getting it from both sides here it's sort of like being in a different zip code only it's a different species no rules apply bro and then Uh, She leaves the movie. She just walks out of the frame and she's done. And Marky Mark jumps into his space pod and he's off. He just, he's like, best of luck, Pericles. I guess you're in charge now. I'll see you later, bro. And then he, you know, heads off into space, finds the time storm or whatever, gets zapped and then begins descending to earth in in what seems to be his own time and
1: space. Did we explain the fact that in this movie that the spaceship Oberon crash landed and the DNA enhanced monkeys were the ones that led to the intelligent apes that we've met in this film Did we talk about that at all uh,
0: very briefly but yes that is the premise is that the the ape civilization the whole reason Charlton Heston wanted to hide all this was that the ape civilization was founded by these crashed super smart monkeys
1: it's kind of a time travel nonsense who gives a shit but if you're listening to this and you don't want to watch the movie that's why these monkeys can talk and walk and wear pants and shit is because the spaceship crashed but anyway back to the end of our film so
0: he has found earth and he's descending but he can't control the pod and he's getting some radio traffic where they're like hey you're you're in restricted airspace hey quit fucking around up there in your spaceship and he's like sorry bro i can't help it i'm crash landing and then he crashes into the reflecting pool of the national mall and he's like boy i gotta tell you bro i never thought i was gonna get back to earth that was a real crazy turn of events there but here i am <coughs> and then walks up to the lincoln monkey Memorial, which is not abraham lincoln it is in fact a monument to fade and he's like hey that ain't like I remember. And while he's puzzling this out, uh, a bunch of police show up. Surprise, surprise, they're all monkey police. The premise being that he is in not actually gone back to his own time, but it has been launched further into the future, one I g- assumes, into a world where Thade became an ape liberator or something. I don't know. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And I couldn't possibly care to try to divine any more logic out of this because in theory Marky Mark would have known that he didn't go back in time but instead went forward in time if he didn't go forward in time did he go through some dimensional portal where he is in a different universe where monkeys evolved in so much a similar fashion to humans that they even had a monkey Abraham Lincoln and built a memorial to him
1: I didn't take it that he went forward in time I took it that he came back to his present day but through some sort of of weird wormhole time travel bullshit nonsense that is not explaining this that Fade was somehow in the... past. I have spent so little time trying to explain how the villain from this movie is somehow Abraham Lincoln. Like I was just like, you know what? Fuck this movie and fuck the ending of it. Yeah. This is such a poor decision. The movie should have just ended with him going back in time and just roll credits. This does nothing but just create problems.
0: Yeah, get in the ship and then whatever happened after that is whatever happened after right. that. Like you finished the story you were trying to tell poorly but you finished it yeah it just doesn't matter and like you said i at no point in any of the viewings of this film that i've had have i worked the the only reason i have my oh he went forward in time theory is because i was making notes on this movie i was like i guess maybe that would explain it but the movie doesn't bother to try to explain it and and like you said by the end of this you're just so glad that credits are rolling that you just don't care how you got there or what the ending was it's just good that it's over here here and that's planet of the apes the uh marky mark classic
1: tim burton directed
0: this is a real piece of shit chad i think from the time michael clark duncan says get your hands off me you damn dirty human it's bad there Mm -hmm. and it just gets worse as you go
1: i think this may be the best movie we're gonna see this whole season
0: are are you forgetting Kong? jesus christ chad it just happened last week (laughs) By the end of that movie, I had tears welling in my eyes as, as that giant ape's heartbeat slowed to a stop. This movie could not ring an emotional moment out of me if it tried.
1: Let me ask you this: What about next week? Is there anything that's going to ring a teardrop out of my eye as we move into episode three of this particular season, Bob?
0: Chad, you like scary movies? Of course I do. Let, let me let me set the stage for you. Okay. A, a, a suburban family mm-hmm. moves into a house in, in just plain old America. Yes. Meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, bikes on the streets america Ooh. creepy things start happening in the house mm-hmm. the daughter goes missing what? and is and can only communicate via the television oh god that's right it is the film poltergeist jesus christ not that one chad huh the remake slash sequel maybe oh my of poltergeist starring sam rockwell Rosemarie dewitt and uh, jared harris who is really slumming it in this movie it is a real stinker chad yeah um, yeah listeners you're gonna have to come back and listen to this episode because we're gonna try to figure out in that episode <laughs> is this movie a remake is it a total reboot or is it some half ass sequel or some combination of the three?
1: I can tell you right now, it's just garbage.
0: It is a movie that Sam Rockwell, when asked about how good the movie was, very famously said, I think it's in 3D, so that's something. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening. Send us an email, picksixmovies at gmail.com. Like, rate, review, tell a friend. We have a blast doing the show. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Bo, any final thoughts on Tim Burton's 2001 Planet of the Apes?
0: Not a one, bro. I'm just going to go hang out with my monkey friends. Maybe get in a, a couple of boogers at Harry Wall I mean, that place is really popping.
1: We'll see you next week.